Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on that hockey show where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to that hockey show, ladies and gentlemen. Thursday, May 6th, a belated happy single demile to everybody who celebrated yesterday. Week 16 of this 2021 NHL season campaign wrapping things up regular season pretty much this week and and next week for most of the league and Vancouver and Calgary finishing things up a little later on as we know that with Vancouver and all the delays they had with COVID but anyway we got a a great show lined up for you as always yours truly Mr. Paul Cuthbert manning the board here on Long Island here in New York and we're going to go up to the great city of Buffalo and talk to Joe Yarden we'll get some uh, catch up and put a bow on the uh, Sabres season here and talk that Eastern Division as we always do then we'll go to Chicago, we'll talk with Tab, catch up with the Blackhawks. They're closing out their season, and we'll talk about the Central Division. And then we'll head up to Montreal and talk to Costa Populius. And we'll talk about the Habs, trying to get that last playoff spot tonight in the North. And then we'll head out to the West Coast, as we always do, and talk to our buddy Steve Palumbo. And we'll catch up and put a close on the Devils season, as well as look at the Western Conference there with St. Louis trying to nail down that last playoff spot there and and uh, just get that all squared away as far as the playoff settings are going for this NHL playoff series that's going to be coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Middle of May here. Like I said, Vancouver and Calgary got to finish things up here as far as the COVID games, the makeup games, and then we get rolling. So uh, lots to talk to today with all the guys, no doubt about it. Uh, we'll get into it. Let's first start off with... Um, we got six games on the scoreboard tonight, and let's just look at the nine games that were on the schedule last night. Bolts beat the Stars 6-2. to two. Sens beat the Habs 5-1. to one. Caps beat the Rangers 4-2. to two. Columbus beat the Preds 4-2. to two. The Ducks beat the Wild in overtime 3-2. to two. And the Sharks beat the Avs 3-2. to two. And then the Jets, who clinched the playoff spot and broke a, a seven-game losing streak and beat the Flames 4-0 last night. And then finally, the Kings uh, beat up on the Yotes uh, four to two, pretty much uh, finishing them probably their playoff hopes there last night with that loss. And as far as uh, you know, obviously last night we'll get into it too. The the situation in New York, uh, a couple of line brawls last night uh, at the Garden, uh, as expected. The Tom Wilson incident, uh, John Davidson and Jeff Gorton getting fired. Um, and again, we'll, we'll talk about this today as far as how the guys feel about this with regards to uh, what happened with Tom Wilson, the league, the NHLPA. And obviously uh, the changes uh, that were made here in New York. And I know uh, Chris Drury, the new president and GM, and senior advisor, Mr. Glenn Sather, um, either just finished up a, uh, a press conference there not too long ago. All right, as far as uh, tonight's games are concerned, Hawks and Canes go out of tonight. Uh, Rangers are playing the Bruins, uh, one of their last two games before they wrap up their season. What a wild year it's been for the New York Rangers. Um, and then the uh, the Devils will be playing the Islanders tonight as the Islanders try and finish out on a winning note, uh, struggling of late the last couple of uh, weeks here, last week, I should say, especially even losing to Joey Yarden Sabres there. Uh, the Sabres will be playing the Pens tonight, and then the Habs will take on the Leafs again. Uh, the Leafs... Uh, and the Habs game, pretty big for the Habs. If the Habs win tonight, 
and or uh, the Oilers beat uh, Vancouver, which will be the last game tonight, then the Habs have locked up the last one. They're 10 points ahead. They're in. Don't worry about it. In Montreal, they, they'll definitely be a part of the uh, the playoffs. It's just a matter of the math right now. Um, and uh, that'll be pretty much taken care of. Uh, as far as uh, some news around the league, again, I'll just touch again on, on the Rangers. That's the biggest story, no doubt about it. Uh, Oshie came back. TJ Oshie came back in the league game last night, too. Scored a couple of goals. Uh, his dad had recently passed away. Um, so nice return for him in terms of uh, helping his team out in, a, in just a crazy situation uh, in New York last night. Uh, Ryan Miller obviously retired last week. As far as the good in the league, uh, the Kings did a nice uh, job with um, – Ryan and, and gave him a, a handshake line tribute, which is good. Uh, I know Steve was at that game in Anaheim, so we'll talk to Steve about that night and everything else and as far as, uh, you know, where that's concerned. And another another guy retiring, too, as well, is David Backus on the Ducks as well. He's At least he's considering it. So we'll see what happens with Backus uh, as he rolls out his place his last couple of games and teams obviously giving him a nice little tribute as well, too. All right, let's look at the standings as we do every week. Uh, 16, 17 teams here. Uh, that I always call out here. Canes in first with 79 points. Vegas in second with 76. Tampa Bay in third with 75. Florida also with 75 points in fourth place. The Caps with 73. Pittsburgh in sixth with 73. The Avs in seventh with 72. The Leafs in eighth with 72. The the Wilder in ninth place with 71. Bruins in tenth with 69. The Isles in eleventh with 68. The Oilers in twelfth with 66. The Preds in thirteenth with 60. The Jets with 59 points in 14th, and you can put a circle around this. The New York Rangers in 15th place in the league with 58, but out of the playoffs. And the Habs in 16th with 57, and St. Louis in 17th with 56. And you figure the Habs there and St. Louis uh, and the Preds will probably be the last time, the last couple of teams there to get into the playoffs as far as clinching here. And we'll see what Dallas can do with their last couple of games. Uh, I know four points back there of the Preds. So a little time left as far as that's concerned. Uh, who's hot in the league is always McDavid. He's got four games left. He's at 93 points. Whew, can he get that 100? We all hope so. It'd be great to see him do that. Um, Austin Matthews, four games left to get 40 goals. He's at 39. Uh, McDavid, uh, obviously leading the league here in assists, too. It's 62 uh, assists, helpers there. Pavelski hanging on to the power play goal lead with uh, 13 goals. Uh, Vasilevsky and Nets for Tampa Bay with 31 wins. And Varlamov. With the shutout leads with seven shutouts for the season. So there's your wrap-up of pretty much what's going on here in this Week 16. And again, we just, as always, do want to say thank you for uh, hanging out and listening with us and and supporting us this year. Pretty good stuff. We're going to continue on through the playoffs and hopefully maintain this schedule and keep things going on because you guys have been there listening and, and supporting us and everything. So we really appreciate it. All right. It's enough of me. It's time to bring my line mates on. Starting in the face-off circle, as we always do. With the great Joe Yarden from the great city of Buffalo in the great state of New York. A lot of great stuff going on here, baby. Joey, what's up, buddy? Paulie. A dull day in New York, you could say, yesterday, maybe. It was a quiet week, wasn't it? (laughs) Nothing happening. Just, you know, some hockey. They are rolling around on the ground laughing on the, uh, the beaches of Long Island, buddy. Oh, my God. Because the, the uh, what, team in the city a, and the team up north can't get their acts together. What a week What a week to be an Islanders fan, huh? Like, you know, you get your – I mean, apart from, you know, losing to the to the Sabres twice and losing to a goalie who hadn't played in over a year and <laughs> had, had, been in the, uh, had been in the minor leagues for eight and a half years and, uh, you know, 
I mean, aside from that. The deck hockey league he was in, right? <laughs> they were driving past the deck hockey league. <laughs> I mean, listen, the, the last game he had played was with the Cincinnati Cyclones back in March 2020. So, I mean, you know, hey, listen, you know, maybe he was, you know, he, he, he maybe he was rusty. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe beginner's luck, but two games in a row? I don't know. Unbelievable. I don't know. Matt Barzell gets scratched. I mean, there, there, there's enough drama there that would that would fill up <laughs> fill us up on a normal week. This uh, this is not a normal week, Paulie. This was beyond a normal week. No, I know. I mean, like you know what we've been talking about here with the Sabers, and it's funny because the Sabers have actually been kind of quiet and doing their own thing up there, and yeah. they kind of know where they're at. You know, they know their place right now, and you know they're just going to wrap up the season here and and then kind of coast into the draft and maybe a new coach and all that other stuff, and then they're okay. Yes, they, and, and and the island is out. Finish thirty first. There's still a possibility they might not be the worst team. We are going to have a party, buddy. <laughs> we, me and you, buddy. If they get that thirtieth spot, me and you are opening up a few cold ones. We're going to celebrate. All right, <laughs> that's all I can say, man. But yeah, the I mean the Isles Twitter is going nuts, obviously, and you know they're in the playoffs. Just shut up and be quiet. You'll be fine. Barry will have yeah. you guys ready. Cross your fingers. Maybe. I mean, Who knows? I mean, that's, that's why you scratch bars, all right? Like. You know, they, they folded up the tents on Monday against against the Sabres. Like, they got up 2 nothing. They were just like, all right, easy street. We got this, you know, six-string goalie we're up against. We're already up 2 nothing. Who cares? Game's over, right? No. No. Sabres, they, they kept letting the Sabres run into the zone, attack the net. Varlamov looked like, hey, guys, why why is it so busy around my net? What's going on here? And then the same thing happens to Sorokin the next night. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, hey, Barry, I mean, I love Barry's take on it where he says, he goes, hey, you know what, this, this Hauser story is great. It's great for him. It's great for the Sabres. It's great for the league. It's really bad for us. <laughs> Which is 100% right. Yeah. It was 100% the way to take it. Because the Isles could have been in the driver's seat to jump into second place, you know, except, you know, they couldn't beat the Sabres. And Pittsburgh just kind of treaded water, you know, like if they beat the Sabres instead of 68 points, they got what? 72, 72. They'd be a point back at Pittsburgh still with a shot at getting into second. Still couldn't get into first. They could get into first with Washington. Joey, no, I honestly just... believe this gets back to what we've been talking about all season long. And it's this schedule and it is It's a hundred percent schedule. It's it's. It's been so hard, man. Uh, and it'll be amazing to see who's got enough gas left for the playoffs. Yeah. I, that's why, you know, people got, well, when we, before we really dig into the Capitals, that's why we said when, you know, Ovechkin missed a couple of games and everything, and it was just like, well, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, injury, whatever, you know, the guy's never hurt, this, that, and the other thing. And you're just kind of like, you know what? It's fine. You know, you know, Carlson misses a game. Schultz is missing a game here or there. You know, Jensen missing. Like, you know, it's fine. Miss these last few games. You don't, you don't exactly need them. Like, yeah, if you want to be number one in the division, yeah, you might want to be. You might want to have home ice through the divisional series. But at the same point, you're kind of catching, kind of catching a break here. You know, like if that's the way it works, it's the way it works. But I mean, Washington and Pittsburgh seem pretty locked in right now. I mean, Pittsburgh's on a little bit of tenuous ground because the Bruins have got a couple games in hand on them. But but the Bruins are also four points back. So, you know, the Bruins got some work to do. And, you know, if Pittsburgh gets another win, they're locked into at least second. So they're okay there. And, you know, for some of these other teams, I mean, 
you know, listen, you know, maybe, you know, if the Islanders run the table here at the end, they can sneak in. The, the Bruins run the table. They win their last four. 1877, they could still end up first, depending on what happens with the Caps. I mean, it's great. This is, I mean, this is exactly the kind of playoff jockey you want to see. I mean, yeah, so somebody won't end up on the cutting room floor here at the end of it. Like, these, the four teams are locked in. That's fine. Yeah. But, I mean, you still got some jockeying to go here. You still got some, you, you know, you got your matchups. You, you can almost, almost pick your poison for who you want in the first round. But, you know what? I don't think it matters how these first, these first round matchups ma- happen in the East. They're all going to hate each other and they're all going to want to kill each other. So that's, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sweating how this works out anyways. And they, and they can, because the league doesn't mind. Doesn't mind. That's right. They don't mind Apparently some carnage. They don't you know? care. All right. So let's real just, quick. Yeah, let's skip all this other stuff. Let's get into it. All right. Let's go. Let, let's, Congratulations let's right to the it. Sabres on their 2021 <laughs> campaign. And we'll see you next year with me and Joe, and we'll talk about training camp. So it's over. So let's get into the fun stuff. All right, let's... funeral for the Sabres. See you later. For the Devils and the Flyers, see you later. It's fine. But we got some Rangers and Capitals to discuss here. All right, so here we go. It's totally So Monday night, it all begins, and then last night, obviously, we get back. And then so let's – before the the J.D. and Gorton firings here and – and I, I caught snippets of some of the press conference today. But let's back up to Monday. And, Joe, everybody knows what happened. Give me your mm-hmm. take. Well, you know, I, I was I was neck deep in seeing Michael Hauser watching uh, beating the Islanders <laughs> for, his, for his first NHL victory. And I'm just watching Twitter explode in front of my face. And I'm like, what happened here? So the first the first thing I see is is Wilson taking Buchnevich down and, and, you know, smashing his head into the ice. And I'm like, what's well, that's not bad. That's not, that's not good. That's not bad. I mean, it's, it's all these things. It's just like, all right. Like, of course, Tom Wilson did this This is what it, this is what he does. This is, this is how it goes with him. The thing I didn't see was the Panarin toss to the ice, which is what everybody I think was really up in arms about, uh, grabbing him by the hair and yanking him down and, you know, bringing him down on his head on the ice, which that's horrible. Like that's, you know, the Buchnevich thing. I mean, I'm almost, I'm almost willing to call that as as like this is the stuff that happens in scrums constantly. I get it. I mean, it's a little different when it's a big, strong guy like Wilson doing it to Buchnevich because th- there's a vast weight and strength difference there. So I get it. But the Panarin one is the one that gets me because he pulled his hair, A, and then smashed his head on the ice. He now, likes to pull I've hair. Seen, I've seen guys pull other players by the hair before. I've, I watched Chris Kunitz do it. Years ago, and I want to say he's with the Ducks. He did it to I think I, I think he did it with the Ducks one year. And this is this is me having you know vague memories here. But remember seeing him grab somebody by the hair to to to, to get a fight started or or whatever. And it was just like, dude, come on, what are you doing? We grabbing a guy by the hair for this is stupid. Um, <laughs> but he didn't drag him down to the ice and smash his head on the ice by doing it like that. To me, everything about it was was out of control. And like, if you're not going to punish him for the Buchnevich thing, which I mean, you know, okay, five grand slap on the wrist, whatever. But the Panarin thing, man, like that's genuinely dangerous. And that's, you know, he doesn't have a helmet on, like he doesn't have his helmet on at this point. And, you know, the game's out of control and, you know, it's on the officials for letting it get to that point. And B, then it's on the league. To, you have to, the, the league has to be the secondary wave uh, of, of punishment there because if the, if the refs don't do anything in the game, 
you got to do something after the fact. And just saying like, well, you know, I guess some of the Rangers were at fault here. I don't know, five grand. I mean, in a normal, with a normal regular player that has no background, with no record, with nothing to him, you give him five grand for the Buchnevich thing, you're saying like, all right, I get it. Like that, that I get. But it's Tom Wilson. <laughs> the guy's got a rap sheet that goes like as long as a CVS receipt. Okay. <laughs> you know, like you've seen him do this stuff before. He's done it countless numbers of times. And, and, the, and listen, I know the league's rules about, you know, what counts as a prior is ridiculous because they're just like, well, after two years, it doesn't matter anymore. Please. Like nobody's memory is that short other than, other than player safeties. Mm-hmm. And that's selective memory. And to say that, like, well, you know, it's not as bad as some of this other stuff he's done. So yeah, that's it's OK, I guess. We'll just find him. That'll keep it quiet. We got to no. find a cartoon character you, for that voice. You got to like these two teams play each other in two days and you're going to be like, nope, this is fine. What did you think was going to happen? Like <laughs> last night happens because that exact thing. It's, it's the level of checkdowns that make no sense. And to, to let it play out that way and. You know, listen, if the league wants to get get mad about how it went down last night, then that's on them. And, you know, and I think about what happens with Buchnevich and Anthony Mantha last night where Mantha's trying to get him to fight. Like the that whole replay, he's whacking, you know, he's cracking him on the back yeah. with the with the with the blade of the stick being like, all right, buddy, come on, let's go, let's go. And Buchnevich is like, no, the play's going. Soon as the whistle hits, he comes right at him and then gets both his mitts and his stick right up in his face, bloodies him. Well, of course, of course, that's what happens. Like this is, you know, you had six fights in five minutes in the, in the first five minutes of the game. Well, of course, it happens. Like yeah. I don't know what what level of expectation you you want out of this. And everything to this is just it's just desserts. Everybody is, you know, this is this played out exactly the way it was. It was going to play out given the way it was handled. Listen, if you gave Wilson a one game suspension for what happened on Monday, like, yeah, it's a light slap on the wrist, but you know what? It keeps Wednesday night from happening. It stops all that. You know, maybe you get some, maybe you get some carryover angst. You know, I I know the Caps didn't care for Buchnevich. Like, that was pretty clear. Uh, That whole, like, the whole game last night was just, you know, they were, you know, if they had a chance to kind of run at him, they did. But I mean, it doesn't ha- you don't you don't get your full three ring circus, which I mean, listen, it's getting everybody to be like, well, hey, at least I tuned into this game. I wasn't even going to bother before. Well, yeah, well, that's isn't that part of the problem. They wanted to give NBC like you can't do. They wanted to give NBC Sports one more last hurrah. Right. And, <laughs> which, <contract> ends. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy to me because I remember years ago, NBC hated that the Caps and Rangers played in the playoffs all the time because they looked at it as ratings death. They didn't see like the value of doing that. Never mind if you marketed it as Ovechkin against Lundqvist. Well, geez, that sounds great. The world's you know the, the best goal scorer in the league against the, one of the best goalies in the league. Boy, that sounds like a great way to market a playoff series. That's a great showdown. Instead, it was just like, nah, these two teams are boring and uh, the series aren't fun and blah blah blah. No ratings. Okay, well that's that's your, that's a you problem, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, but but the the fact comes down to this. Everything played out the way it was going to play out because nobody took it on themselves in the league office. I mean, the players did what they were going to do no matter what, but nobody took it upon themselves in the league office and player safety to to take care of this and nip it in the bud. Now, if they thought it was going to carry over to next season, so be it. 
stuff happens. Like, I mean, that, that you're forcing guys to take a number at that point. And that's that's what happens sometimes. I mean, it happened back in 1996, 97 with the Red Wings and the Avalanche. You know, the Red Wings had to take a number because, you know, Draper gets his face rearranged by Claude Lemieux in the play in game six of the playoffs, game five of the playoffs, whatever it was. And Detroit was pissed as all hell. And they they're not going to start a bench clear and brawl in the playoffs. And, you know, Joe, so it was it was different the next season. Yeah. And it was different back then, though. I mean, you, you still had yeah. the enforcer guys on your teams, like even McCarthy there on uh, on Detroit uh, during the, that, that series. and everything. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, so for me. Like I said, I was on unfa- like I even as a Ranger fan, I was really kind of unfazed. I said, "This is nothing new. This has yeah. happened before." And if the you know if Wilson was in a Ranger jersey, you wouldn't see the uproar from Ranger fans, you know. No. So and then you got the other thirty, you know, the other thirty teams in the league here, you know. And then you get the Rangers statement, and I I was like really shocked about that, you know. I mean, I know everybody's patting them on the back, and granted, but I, I you know because because of the way the league hands it, handles itself, and it's it's the owners, you know. Um, and the GMs and everything else, and I thought there was going to be some repercussions from that. I mean, it's all unfolding now. Obviously, it all unfolded yesterday, and even into today, I think the Rangers just came up. They got fined $250,000. I mean, that's a spit in the bucket for Dolan. I mean, yeah, nothing to it. Any, and who knows? Light dinner. Yeah, and, and who knows <laughs> if maybe – I and this is the thing that, you know, getting into J.D. and Gorton here too, get your takes on this. You know, them getting let go, there's conflicted reports that saying that maybe they didn't sign off on the Rangers' statement. They thought that was a bad idea from one side of it. Then you got Dolan saying, well, they're not happy with the progression. And the timing of everything is just, that's what the crazy stuff is. Yeah. You know, and if you're changing the team now, and and, and why is Quinn still behind the bench then? You know, I mean, it's like all this stuff. But getting back to what happened the other night, I think, like I said, the league created this. And the NHL Players Association and the player safety, you know, to me, you know, I've said this multiple times the last couple of days on recordings. Uh, the NHLPA only cares about themselves when they're in CBA negotiations. Because this guy's going out there, cheap shotting each other, hurting each other, um, you know, all the time. Uh, you know, this has happened in the past with guys' careers getting ruined, whether it's Mark Savard or Paul Career or countless other guys and concussions. and Steve Moore. Yeah, I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. So this isn't new. But, like I said, I think the league is created in terms of the rule changes. They've eliminated the enforcer. The players can't police themselves. The Rangers now back themselves into a corner as a team structure because they didn't have any answers for Tom Wilson on Monday night. And you had guys like Strom going out and fighting last night and everybody else. It was small guys. And credit to them all. They all, you know, we all expected, like you said, it's NHL hockey. You knew it was going to happen. And credit to all the guys. But it was kind of like, you know, now it's a show. Yeah. And it's now it becomes a mess. And then you have to ask the league, is this is this what you guys want? You know, and it, like I said, it's exasperating for me as a hockey fan, a long-term hockey fan, to see this, but I'm as a Ranger fan more shocked about what happened with JD and Gordon, mm-hmm. and that's what I want to ask you about the next thing. What do you think about that firing? Well, first off, with that, I mean it's stunning uh, because I think the job Gordon's done with getting this, getting the Rangers rebuilt, and you know going back to the letter that he wrote. Uh, the fans back what what 2018 saying like, hey, listen, we got to tear it down, we got to rebuild it back up. Um, having been witness to a team that re- has tried to rebuild and build it back up and having watched it now for 10 years, I can say that uh, the Rangers are moving along in a much more defined direction. Um, and in a, they're in a place where 
if they played in any other division with this kind of success, they're in the playoffs. Exactly. They're just yep. unfortunately in a division worth with, that's a meat grinder. Uh, so I think they've done well. I mean, there's issues. Like, let's not let's not get it let's not get it faulted here. I mean, you can you can point to the you know the 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 poor defense or you know the the lack of. Uh, I think you could take some issue with the play of some of the young guys, but they're young guys. Like you can't get you can't get mad about a you know a 20 or 21 year old guy struggling in his first season or two in the NHL because you know maybe you're not really fully developing him, but. Uh, to let Gorton go through all this is just such a weird move. And you know what? All the reasons that have been coming out here, I'm not buying a single solitary one of them. I'm not buying any of them because to say that, okay, so if the reason is that they didn't make the playoffs this year, well, it's okay, great, but take a look at your surroundings. Take a look at what's going on around you. You know, take a look at your division and say, like, you know, are, are they in a spot where they were, where they could have been in a playoff spot? Well, I, they're pretty damn close. You know, win a few, win a few of those games. You know, maybe, maybe if you take a take a pound of flesh out of the Islanders this past weekend, it changes the picture a bit. Uh, I mean, it certainly would have changed things if you take four away from the Islanders, uh, knock them down to sixty four points. You could, and you Joe, you could also 62. not to either okay. interrupt you here, but you could also yeah. go back too. You lost a a, a fifty sixty point defenseman Tony D'Angelo at the beginning of the year. You lost Mika Zibanejad for a few games there at the beginning of the year with COVID. You lost Panarin there for a stretch, your top scorer yeah. for. For with the whole Russian thing there too, so I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's, it's been a weird season for the Rangers. So I think if you right. like, like you said, if you scan back, and they're actually in a playoff spot if they're in another division, like you said yeah. too. So but I mean, you know, but you can't just like hand, you know just handpick a couple of games and say like, well, geez, they won these, then you know it's a different thing. Well, okay, well if you sweep the Sabers all year, great. Okay, if you sweep the Devils, okay, great. Like things change, but there's so many things in the, in the column for the Rangers to say, like, this is just an aberration, weird year. You can write it off yeah. and just say, you know, whatever, it's fine. If we get back to the normal division setup next year, they're probably in a much better spot. You know, I, I mean, if I scan up and scan up and look at uh, the other divisions, uh, you know, they're better than Montreal. Montreal's going to go to the playoffs. Um, where's their and other, St. Louis, where's their they got more points you know? than St. Louis. Yeah, you know, like they're they're way better than Columbus this year. You know, it's you know, you know, uh, you know. I mean, Carolina in their division. I mean, yeah, that you're you're probably looking at getting not not having a good time there. But but gee whiz, man! Like when I think of rebuilds and I think of the way the the way things are gone. I mean, they've had the lottery luck. You know, Caco and Lafreniere, like that's that's an amazing stroke of luck to get those guys. Heedle, I think, has been on a on a, been on a solid progression, considering he got thrown into the the eight. Excuse me. Got thrown into the AHL Wolves like way too young. Like that's. Yeah. I think that was you know that was way too young. And they've tried to develop him well. They made a great job in getting Truba. Um, you know the D'Angelo thing. Like that's you know whatever. That, he was a defense. You know he's an offensive defenseman who turns out to be a really bad seed to have around. And you know what? They took care of that. So okay, fine. But like they're at the point of their rebuild where like if they could concentrate on the defense, they were sitting in a pretty good spot because I think Shostorkin's kind of jumped into the, that lead role. I think he's kind of taken over, uh, you know, sticking by Georgiev. I mean, Hey, listen, you gotta, you gotta know what you gotta, what you gotta get, but goaltending's weird. So you can write it off. And, you know, I listen, I know fans are were kind of pissed about how things went down with Lundqvist. I, I get it. There's a lot of reasons to, to be angry with the Rangers and how they've done stuff, but to, to take out JD, who's only been there since 2019, and Gordon, which, you know, Gordon's been there a little bit longer. Okay. 
fine. But like, you know, I, I think if it was a spot where JD says, listen, if you're firing Gordon, just send me out too. And Dolan says, okay, fine. <laughs> like if that's it, then like I can, I can understand letting JD go, but like on the whole, none of it makes any sense. It does not make any bit of sense unless you buy into the, the old school Dolan drama where if he wants his if he wants his guys to say, listen, I'm putting this statement out. Are you with me? Or are you against me? And they say, well, I wouldn't say it like that. And he's all right, get out. Like you're not with me. Like Dolan's Dolan can be a tyrant like that. And yeah. you know, like this is this whole thing is just ripe for that kind of gossip and that sort of that that sort of stuff. And gee whiz, like the fact that this the Rangers went <laughs> turn it into the Knicks drama factory overnight is crazy. The Knicks are good. The Knicks are pretty good now, and now the Rangers are. It's like he's got to find something. He's got to foul up. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of mist and fog going on around here. It'll be interesting to see if we ever hear from JD or Gorton about this thing. Um, you know, they the Dolan was using the this references about how the Knicks are playing and they're you know they're a tough, hardworking team and all this stuff and yeah, all this other crap that's that's being said around it. And we all have to wait and see to see what fine, you know, to, to actually what the truth is. And I think maybe the story still has yet to be played out. Um, but it's absolutely incredible to, to see what, what happened on Monday to really just flip this organization upside down. Now I will say this. And, and, and I think the Quinn factor is going to be the big thing here with the Rangers, whether or not he goes or stays. And I know Drury, likes the guy, but if the if the if the team is gonna make the announcement or Dolan's gonna make make the announcements because the the rebuild wasn't going the way it was or they should have been a better team or anything like that. I think the guy behind the bench is a big part of that. Now I like the guy but if you're getting rid of JD and Gordon, you have to figure Quinn's gotta go too. So yeah. my question to you is and I knew we've talked about this in terms of what's Buffalo gonna do in terms of you know when 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 you're gonna when you're closing a chapter on a season or a team or your front office and everything else, and you're moving to the next one, there has to be some kind of a plan. And I don't know how much you, you carry along from the old plan, especially if you're going out publicly saying, we're not happy about the way it went. We want to make the playoffs. We want to win as soon as possible with the lineup that we have. So, Joe, the quest, last question I'll answer you today on this is, do you think the Rangers need to bring in a Gallant or somebody else who's got to come in here with some experience to take this team over. Well, I think they're at the point now where you have to strongly consider it uh, because the way, the way this is all going down, I mean, you're right. This, you can point out a lot of the misgivings here and saying like, yeah, this, you can put this on Quinn's shoulders because <laughs> look at the handful of games. He wasn't behind the bench. Chris Knobloch ran the show. They just, they, they, they blew up everybody they played against. They just yeah. annihilated them. So, um, so I think if you're if you're if you're at this point where you're saying, all right, well, you know, JD and, and Gorton are a problem, they're gone, you know, Drury's our guy now, like, okay. <laughs> like I don't know what I don't know what the direction is then. You know, I mean because you know, listen, Drury's been in the organization a while now. You know, he was he was the man in waiting essentially no matter what. And the Rangers made sure that he was that guy because they didn't let him interview for any other jobs. So, I, I mean, listen, he's he's the chosen guy. But I, I think when you're coming down to a coach thing, I mean, how rare is it to have a coach outlast the GM and a vice president? Exactly, of the team? yeah. Like, that happens so rarely. I mean, it happened in Buffalo. Ralph Kruger, Ralph, Ralph Kruger outlasted Jason Bottrell, who, who picked him. 
to stay here. And I don't think the rain, I don't think Rangers fans want to hear any Sabres comparisons. Like that's, that's the last thing they want to be hearing here. Yeah. But that you have to make them because <laughs> I think back to what was it? 2010 when Ryan Lucic or uh, Milan Lucic ran over Ryan Miller and the, the Sabres organization lost their minds over it thinking, well, we're not tough enough. We need to get tougher right now because the Bruins are, are, you know, are taking advantage of us, you know, meanwhile, you know, nobody stepped up to, to fight Lucic in that moment and, and none of that happened, but instead they go out and they get John Scott and they, you know, they make all these other moves to get tougher and bigger. And it was just okay. And then that was kind of the undoing for, for Darcy or gear here because they decided instead of leaning into talent, they leaned into being hard asses and, if the Rangers are at that position right now, and I think they're, I, I think they're better off because Jury's, you know, the guy taking that next role. I don't know. Like, I, I think, I, I got to see what happens. Come on, Joe, offseason. it's creepy. He's got old man Dolan now, and old man Sayer yeah. is still looking over his shoulder. He's going to have yeah. to walk around uh, on eggshells. They've, they're keeping yeah. Jury because they know they can manipulate him and control him. He's he's basically auditioning for these guys and or any other organization. So I think Jury's going to be a yes man. Unfortunately, here, that's why that's how I feel. That's, I mean, that's a possibility. I mean, with, with Dolan exerting himself in this situation the way he has, which he hasn't really done, at least visibly so as a, you know, as the owner too much in the past. I mean, you could say like some of the big free agent signings, he's been like, all right, let's do it. But I mean, as far as like with coaches and, and GMs and stuff, he's really been hands off. And I think he's let slats. Yeah. take care of a lot of that. Absolutely. Uh, I agree know, with you. I think he, he trusts him implicitly. I mean, I mean, I want, I won him a cup 30 years ago. I get it. Like I understand, but <laughs> at some point you got to be like, when is the time? Like, I mean, Slats is at the hall of fame. Like, and I mean, that earns you a lot of respect and he's the old boys club and all that stuff. But don't you think if the team wasn't tough enough, Slats would have been like, Hey, I know some tough guys sign him for 700 grand. Let's get him in there. You know, at some point you got to say, all right, enough's enough. We're, we're getting beat up out here. And it, you know, I, I, I just, I, I want to hope that that jury's going to be able to say, "No, here's my idea. Let's go with this." Good luck. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a lot of egos. It's a lot of egos. Like Dolan's got the biggest ego on the planet, and Slats might be right there behind him. Honestly, like that's that's what gets me. And you know, and I you know, listen. I, I what was the guy from going back? What was the guy the name in the back but... of the class, Joe? And uh, welcome back, Carter. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Mr. Sather, Mr. Dolan, I uh, I would like to Horshack, right? Yeah, Horshack. There you go. That's Joey's new name. That's yeah. I mean, I if I'm a Rangers fan, I'm biting my fingernails to the quick Uh, over this because I'm just terrified at how this is going to work out because things were on a nice progression. Granted, I mean, it's not going as quickly as a lot of the fans want. But, I mean, getting Panarin, you know, you got Lafreniere, like, okay, you're unhappy with him. This is fine. Well, whatever. Fine. Like, he's going to be tw- he's gonna be 10 times better next year. You know, like, people are fresher with Kako. Like, he's better this year than he was last year. Like, you, you got to be patient with some of these guys because they're kids. They're teenagers. You got to take it easy sometimes. It's but over, man. I'm terrified. Like, this is this, this is the time where, like, Again, I got to bring in the Sabres connection again. Does the big, does the big Eichel trade happen now? Does, does Dolan come in and say, this is the guy we got to have? Well, can, can Eichel fight the- Wilson? 
If you can't fight Wilson, they're not bringing him in here, man. It's a new no, direction. We can't fight Tom. No, we can't fight Tom. He's <laughs> not fighting Tom. This Wilson. is changing the whole league. You watch, all the signings going to be tough guys. They're bringing back the enforcers now about, into the league. How about this for a package deal? Eichel and Ristolainen. How would you How would you feel about that? For who? Who are we giving up? <laughs> Whoever costs probably fourteen million dollars to go back because that's what it's going to cost fifteen million. Sorry, because Eichel's worth ten and Rat and Ristolainen's worth five. So, oh buddy. Got fifteen million worth of salary. You can you can kick the other way, or can you eat fifteen million? Yeah, they got some left over That's because the, the league only fined them two hundred fifty grand. So they got some left over. <laughs> They'll be fine in New York. Don't Jolly. take out the couch cushions. Oh, who knows, buddy? After the first round of the playoffs, if the Islanders don't get through, I think we should have a barbecue. Islanders, Sabres, and Rangers fans. <laughs> Talk about the what could have been. The New York barbecue. That's uh, it's perfect. It sounds <sighs> perfect. Joe, you're the best really, as all. I'd be really angry from all three fans. That's oh the my best God. part. We need the line brawl right there, right? Just to get our frustrations out. That's right. I'm going to wear my Tom Wilson jersey. <laughs> 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 Joe, you're the best as always, man. Love your take, man. Appreciate it. So we've got to wait almost like two more weeks before the playoffs start because the Canucks got to finish their season. So I guess we'll hang out in the uh, next two weeks and talk about some other nonsense that's going to go on this league before uh, everything gets tightened up and we know who's playing who, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll dig into uh, Canucks hockey, I guess. Oh, um, yeah, let's not. Let's not do that. Yeah. We got enough drama on the East Coast. We don't need the West Coast drama. <laughs> exactly. I'll take that up with Steve <laughs> later. <laughs> that's right. All right, brother. You're the best, man. Have a great weekend. Catch you on the Twitter later, pal. You got it, Paul. It'd be good, man. All right. Joey Yarden, ladies and gentlemen, as always, a little bit of Sabres and more New York Rangers this week than you can take handle. And THS rolls out. Ow! All right, it's time to head out to Chicago. Hang out with our good buddy, Mr. Tab Bamford. We'll talk some Hawks, some Central Division. And we got to get Tab's take on what's going on in New York. Tab, what's going on, brother? Welcome back to THS. Uh, if I had a quarter million dollars to spend, I would donate to the New York Rangers fund <laughs> to get out of jail free for nothing. Dolan needs my pity money. Uh, <laughs> he he should be looking for a billion dollars from somebody else. What about else the New York Rangers team, therapy can... sessions? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, boy. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, how about that? Not, uh, not Nobody getting cheated in that situation except for fans who wanted to watch Panarin for the rest of the year. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's an interesting time to be a Rangers fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get into that in a little bit because I definitely want to hear what your thoughts are on this thing. All right, uh, your Hawks here uh, lost six in a row. Uh, I know there's an overtime loss in there, one, one or two were in there somewhere, but uh, they got the Canes tonight, um, and then finished with uh, home games versus Dallas uh, next Saturday and Monday, and it's all over in Chicago for the year. Um, but uh, we'll talk about the last week, and, and I guess I guess Ted, we can officially put a a bow or a ribbon or something. Some tape, some some duct tape on this Chicago Blackhawks season. What do you say, brother? A fork, put a fork in them. Uh, Yeah, so here you are. Now they are, you know, this is, it's been unfortunate because, you know, we've been doing this the whole season. And the way that the Blackhawks started with the tire fire in Florida, giving up 20 goals, in four games to the Lightning and the Panthers, I think most of the hockey world was like, yeah, we were right. 
the Blackhawks are destined for a top five lottery pick. They're a tire fire. And then February shows up and they take advantage of the schedule that they gave them. You know, they actually look decent at times, you know, they, but then you look back and you're like, okay, so they had an undermanned Dallas team, Columbus, which has been just a debacle all year, Detroit for a bunch, but they were at least intriguing. And then March showed up and you get Tampa and Dallas and Florida and Tampa and Florida and Nashville and Carolina and, you know, cue the sad trombone because it's, you know, it, it went off the rails pretty quick. And then here we are in April, kind of the same deal. They, they win a couple in Columbus early in the month. And since then they've lost eight out of 10. One of their wins was in overtime against Nashville in a three game set that really determined their playoff fate. And the last six have just been, you know, you got a home game against Tampa, you lose seven to four. Uh, and then you get Florida for a couple at home on home ice and you give up nine more. And Ouch. then, the, you know, you go to Carolina for three, which the way Carolina's playing right now, I don't know. I don't know anybody wants to touch that in the postseason. Let's just yeah. be real. Carolina's smoking right now. And now you, you know, you fast forward to where the standings are at here with three games to play, and the Blackhawks are five points ahead of Detroit for the bottom of the embers in the dumpster that is the Central Division. <laughs> They've lost six in a row. They're two seven and one in their last ten. And it's just like I said, it's unfortunate because there was a time in February where people were, you know, there was talk in February, like, Hey Mary, maybe Jeremy Carlton's legit. Maybe, you know, he's got a case for, you know, some Jack Adams attention. And now, you know, they're sitting there tied with Arizona going the wrong direction and probably looking at, you know, being right back in the lottery again this year. So, um, real tough stretch for the Blackhawks here. The schedule didn't do them any favors, but this is what you get when you have an inexperienced coach who has gone up against some good coaches who have not made life easy on them, and you've got a young team. Uh, and when you've got eight, coming tonight, nine players making their NHL debut. Wow. That's uh, you know, it it's not the easiest uh, league to win in, especially in the format that we have this year. Mm-hmm where you're playing the just inside your division. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, known commodities out there. And unfortunately for the Blackhawks, the top three in this division are world beaters. I would submit that all three, Florida, Carolina, and Tampa, are legit cup contenders this year. And whoever gets out is going to be hell for anybody else to deal with. But, you know, there, there was a glimmer of hope at one point, and that is all gone by the wayside as the Hawks try to navigate this youth movement without – their captain, you know, they've been without Kirby Doc for most of the season, and I think we'll touch on him in a second. They shut him down for the year earlier this morning, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, you, you're basically looking at Debrinket, Kane, and a bunch of young, unknown guys trying to make it happen, and that's not a recipe for success in the format that we've got in the 2021 season. Yeah, it's uh, it's a trip, and look, it's been a ride here, no doubt about it. You know, as far as this team's concerned, and and, and our, our back and forth here, and and watching, uh, you know, some of the young guys. I mean, look, there's been there's been some uh, good bright spots, I guess, individually uh, for most of these guys, and 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 you know, you, 
I think the the franchise and the fan base in Chicago pretty much expected that this was pretty much the way the season was going to go. When they were playing well early and, and mid in the season, I think they, they obviously teased everybody a little bit. And whether you look at that, they, they've come back down to earth here one way or the other. Um you know, I, I guess, you know, moving forward, you, you have to kind of just look at the positive sides of this and, and, and see how they kind of, you know, turn out here in, in, in training camp and, and starting a whole new season here next year. So I guess with that said, uh, Tab, you know, I, I get the feeling you're, you're not as, you know, ready to send Colin in a Christmas card this season. Probably not. Um, if it were to a new address, I might be inclined. <laughs> um, no, I mean, look, I mean, he's a young coach and he has not been dealt an easy deck here. And Stan Bowman did, we talked about this at the deadline, he did what he was supposed to do. He brings in Matthias Yanmark, who exceeds his expectations, dumps him at the deadline. Brings in Soderberg to help soften the lack of depth at the center position, dumps him at the deadline. Those two guys were serviceable. Right now, you've just got massive question marks at the dot. And as I mentioned, you know, Kirby Doc had the wrist surgery a couple days after Christmas, uh, was supposed to be back about now. Uh, they rushed him back. He appeared in 18 games, two goals, eight assists, gave him 18 and a half minutes a night, and he's just he's got scar tissue. He hasn't been totally comfortable. You've been able to tell at times that he's not totally comfortable. Handling the stick, I think handling the puck and using his body, he's been he's progressed nicely, but there's definitely – more to get from him when it comes to what the hands can do. So they shut him down for the last three games. Um, you know, it's the right decision to keep the kid healthy. I think he's going to be a superstar. I am super high on Kirby Doc. And so do the right thing. Make sure he's ready for next year because next year's when I think the rubber hits the road in Chicago because now you've been able to get a lot of these young guys out there. You've seen what some of these young players have to offer got 51 games out of Kurashev to play with, 49 games out of Brandon Hagel, who I think a lot of people in Chicago are falling in love with. Uh, and so you've got some young guys. And when you look at what they were able to do at the deadline, I, I really like what I've seen from Adam Gaudet. I think he's a player. But you look up and down this roster, again, we, we talk about youth movement, and the we start rattling off ages on the Blackhawks roster. Debrinkit's still only 23. It feels like he should be 30 at this point because he's been around long enough and he's been doing well enough for them. But then Gaudet, 24, Pia Suter, 24, Doc, 20, Mike Hardman, who I really like, brings more of a physical edge to his game, 22, Hagel, 22, Kirishev, 21, Mackenzie Entwistle, another guy who made his debut, 21, you know, on the back end, Baudin, 21, Boquist, 20, Ian Mitchell, 22, White Kalnick, 24. So you got a lot of guys in the, you know, the front half of their 20s still getting their legs under them and, Tonight, 20-year-old Alec Regula is going to make his debut. I, I kind of alluded to that. And he brings some much-needed size to the back end. 6'4", 209. He was a co-captain of the London Knights. He played with Adam Boquist there. Uh, I, I love that potential. I love the size element. The Blackhawks need more of that. They need functional size, not Nikita Zadorov. Um, <laughs> qualified as functional size. Um uh, <laughs> But this is another guy that, that brings an element that I think that they desperately need, especially with DeHaan being hurt again. I don't know what his future is with the club. But, uh, but again, you know, when you look at the job that Carlton's done, there have certainly been areas that he's missed. I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth. Uh, 
But I think if we're real, uh, you can not like the way that he's managed. You can be critical of the way that he's managed his roster and the club this year and which kids have and haven't gotten ice time at different times. But you have to responsibly do it with the caveat that he's been handed a roster that was in flux and with a lot of young kids. And there aren't many teams, if any, that have had nine players make their NHL debut this year. So uh, so he's, he's navigated some choppy waters in a really tough situation with the format this year. And I think at the end of the day, with the Blackhawks, again, being closer to the bottom than the playoffs in the Central Division, that's kind of where you thought they'd end up. But I still feel like the Blackhawks, in some regards, have exceeded expectations this year. Uh, and there's a lot to look forward to with the youth movement that's coming because – you know, six months ago, a lot of people, including me, were talking about how the cupboard was seemingly empty. And now you're seeing that they've got some viable pieces that can help them take a big step forward next year when you get back into hopefully standard traditional six format, six division play. Uh, obviously, that brings Colorado back. So God help us in that matchup. But, <laughs> you know, when you've got guys that you can look forward to having different elements like a Gaudet and a Kirishev and Hagel for a full season with a training camp and hopefully having Taves and Doc back full steam ahead next year, that's just a totally different look and feel. And whether or not Colton's the guy that gets to do that, we'll see. I mean, he signed an extension, but I think that you've seen enough that if there's an experienced coach out there, Gerard Gallant, that could possibly come in Gerard Gallant and help these kids yeah, just want take the next step, Gerard Gallant, I think that it would be – you know, it would be nuts for the Blackhawks not to drag a line, make a phone call if, if someone's available. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. There's no doubt about it. Well, look, hey, man, it's, it's, uh, it's been a tight 56-game season here. Uh, obviously, the Hawks have a couple left here before they wrap it up, and, and next year we'll uh, – next year, listen to me. Um, you know, Next week we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, you know, wrap up how they kind of did here and, 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 you know, what you think is maybe a grade for the – for the season here. I want to ask you one last thing on the Hawks though, with this season tab, did, did they give everybody the, the fan base? Um, are you disappointed? They're not going to make the playoffs. Cause I know we talked about how great it would have been if they, this young core had have gotten into the playoffs and got some of that experience. Um, can you at least say that, you know, this tight playoff type season because of the scheduling, because of how, um, how tight it was, how tough it was to play in, won't these guys ultimately benefit for, for next season and going forward? Well, I think, yeah, because they've, I mean, realistically, they've been playing in playoff level games for the last four weeks, really, with where they were able to get themselves in February. But obviously, they haven't lived up to that expectation. Now, with Seabrook and Shaw being quasi retired slash permanent LTRIR candidates, you know, they'll have some cap space to wiggle with. I think they've got some, you know, some pretty important decisions to make in the offseason when it comes to some free agents that are on the team and what to do with some of the guys on the roster. Right now, I'm, I'm not sure how and where Dylan Strom fits at $3 million in a walk year with RFA coming in 22. Um, you know, Hagel's got an RFA coming, so I would imagine he'll be back. God, that's an RFA. He'll probably be back. I think Suter... Interesting guy. He said today that he wants to be back. Um, but, you know, where he fits when you start looking at the potential future construction of this team, they, there are holes. And, again, if you have Doc and Taves down the middle, that changes the entire dynamic of this whole thing. 
And so, you know, obviously the biggest elephant in the room here is what what does Jonathan Taves mean uh, to the future of the team and what does his leadership bring for some of these young guys? But regarding getting in the playoffs, it would have been great experience for these young guys, but Mm -hmm. they are definitely getting a look at what some of the best teams in the league look like. If they were in a division that and they, you know, you had these guys playing 20 games against, let's say, the bottom of the West and, and they were lacing them up against, you know, the with all due respect, like the Sharks and Kings of the world and the and the Ducks of the world. I, I wouldn't feel as good as these guys going out and having the albeit, uh, you know, self-esteem destroying games <laughs> against the Carolinas and Florida's and Tampa's of the world. The, the learning they're getting to know real quick what it takes to compete against the best. And so the blessing in disguise here is that these kids are getting experience against some of the best, legitimately the best teams in the National Hockey League. So playoffs would have been great. They would not have lasted long uh, if they'd gotten into the playoffs. But I do think that you've seen enough from some, not all, of these young guys to have an idea of what you've got so that when you want to go shopping this summer, Stan Bowman, I think, has got a pretty good idea of what holes he needs to fill uh, again, with the caveat, what is Jonathan Taves' future with the team? Yeah, a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of things to see. But I think all in general, I think it's all positive stuff here for the Hawks, uh, you know, taking away from this season and moving into uh, to next year. And and uh, we'll just kind of go from there. Um, and, and it's got to play out, Tab, no doubt about it. But it's it's been a fun season. They, I think the Hawks gave everybody a little more and, and stuff that they didn't expect. And, and again, you, you, you're in a, in a rebuild, reconstruction, and you got to see a lot of – assets to come into the team and a, a few more obviously getting in tonight here in these last couple of games so um in general from the outside tab uh you know just saying it's uh some good stuff going on in chicago for well, the future and paul like we've talked about at times i think there was a lot of frustration with the fan base and some of the veteran players at the state of affairs at christmas time as we were getting ready to start the season mm-hmm. and they have been entertaining for a big part of the season and Absolutely. i think there were questions about the level to which they would compete and the level to which they would entertain. And I do think that if there's one area in which they've massively exceeded expectations, it's from an entertainment value because watching some of these young guys develop and prove people wrong and show people that they're here to stay like a Hegel, um, I think certainly, you know, gives should give Blackhawks fans pause when wanting to take their lighter out and blowtorch their tickets or their hopes for the future. I don't think the Hawks are as far away as a lot of people might have thought in December, but they've still got work to do and they certainly still have issues that they've got to address, but they've been entertaining uh, a lot of the time this year. And so for that, I think fans should be thankful. And for those last two home games against Dallas, there will be fans in the seats at the United center. Finally, they'll get two games with some fans in the stands to let them know how they feel about the effort this year. So We'll see what that response is. Yeah. Um, but uh, but again, you know, there's been some entertainment value, and for that I think we should be thankful. Yeah, and I, I you, you, you can damn well, uh, you know, depending on – and the last thing we'll touch on here before I get your take on New York here is is obviously the division here, uh, Nashville and Dallas. Dallas, uh, four points out. I think they have uh, three ga- – let me see how many games they have left here. They've got – they've got one, two, three games left. And those last two, like you said, against Chicago – so Chicago could mess them up a little bit. Um, but you wonder now if, if the Preds, are they going to blow this, buddy, or what? 
I mean, it doesn't look like Dallas is Dallas is close enough to be interesting. Yes, but they've, but lost, they've lost five in a row. Yeah. And they're four, four, and two in their last ten. I mean, Nashville left the door wide open, you know, with you know, a, in a performance that I think a lot of people thought wasn't quite what you were hoping for against the Blue Jackets. But you know, you're going to be, you're going to. There's a good chance with two games left for Nashville that they're going to slip into the playoffs with a negative goal differential, breaking 500 in their last ten. And you know, you talk about backing into the playoffs. That's basically what Nashville is doing here. They are the least terrible team in the bottom five in that division. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 60 points right now in 54 games isn't exactly setting the world on fire. 16-10-0 uh, at home, the fact that they're without a an overtime slash shootout loss at home is nice. Only other team in the division to pull that off this year so far is Tampa. But again, Tampa's got a plus 45 goal differential and Nashville's minus five, so... A little bit of a different lineup there, but no, I. D- Dallas had an opportunity; they had games to make up, and we we've talked about this for weeks. But the way that their season started with COVID, and then they had, you know, the the games that were banged because of the winter storm down there. I think it was just it was too big of a hill to climb, and and they had too many games stacked up, and without Sagan all year, just too much for them to overcome. But uh, but you know, Nashville has the talent to be interesting. I just. I don't know that the chemistry is necessarily there for them to do anything against a Carolina team. Like I said, five in a row, seven, zero, and three in their last 10, that Carolina team is absolutely rolling right now. And I think that uh, they'd be fools to take Nashville for granted, but I think that they're going to be looking ahead to which of Tampa, Florida, they're going to be able to get their hands on here at, when they, uh, when the second round of the playoffs start to crown a central division champion, which of course, if Nashville won the central division, I'm sure they'd have a banner for it. <laughs> but uh, but I don't think that we need to have the printing press ready for them to hang anything from the rafters again this year. Uh, too much, man. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, we got definitely one team that for me personally, and I, you know, we just haven't talked enough about the Canes. I don't think it's amazing what they've been doing all year long, and um, you know, I haven't I haven't tuned in enough. But at the, it's, I mean, just where they are, and, and you look at Tampa there in Florida. And uh, see how they're going to play out. It should be. Um, I mean, they, be... Carolina. Carolina has a plus fifty-one goal differential in fifty-three games. It's insane. You know, I, I think people went into this season thinking that they'd be able to lock people down defensively, and they have. They've allowed one hundred and twenty-six goals in those fifty-three games, which is the smallest number in the division. I mean, Florida's given up one hundred and fifty-two. Um, so you look at their number there, but the 177, I think is, is impressive. And they go different again, you know, you're looking at a team that's 23 and four on home ice and they're going to have probably, I mean, they've got four points on Tampa and they both got three games left. It looks pretty confident right now that Carolina is going to have home ice at least through the central. So, um, you know, I am really looking forward to a Tampa, Florida series. I think that those teams match up incredibly well. The battle for Florida, you know, I don't think Florida's historically been something that hockey fans circle as being the sexy matchup or teams that you really line up to care about. At least the, the Panthers have had a tougher go than the Lightning have historically. But, you know, you look at where – and they're both hot coming down the stretch. Florida 8-2-0 and in their last 10, Tampa 7-2-1. and All three of the top teams in the Central are streaking into the playoffs and that Tampa-Florida series is going to be worth the price of admission or wherever you're – 
partaking in adult beverages and or cigars as yours truly likes to do. Uh, it'll be worth watching because those teams are as good as it gets. And then one of them is going to emerge to get a Carolina team that uh, is going to give them everything that they can handle. So it'll be it'll be really fun playoffs to watch in the Central Division this year because all three of those teams, if you put them in another division, might be good enough. Uh, I mean, Tampa and Florida with 75 points would be leading the East They'd be leading the North, and they'd be one point back of Vegas in the West. So, say take the grain of salt that the bottom half of this division sucks, but <laughs> you watch those teams play, and you know that they're legit. So, uh, whoever comes out of here is going to be, you know, have a real good crack at at winning the whole dang thing this year. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Looking forward to it, no doubt about it. Okay, one team that's not making the playoffs, but definitely making headlines. Uh, in the hockey world, and uh, this will be the last thing I get you got to get your take on before I let you go. Tab is 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 the uh, the show in New York here. Obviously, um, take me through uh, your thoughts here on what happened on Monday night with uh, Wilson and Buchnevich and Panarin, and then obviously the next day the Rangers statement, and then yesterday the hammer coming down on JD and Gorton, Chris Drury now president and GM with old man Glenn say they're a senior advisor over his shoulder. And the Dolan family kind of, you know, Dolan's been pretty quiet with regards to the Rangers over the last few years. It gives them everything they want, players, money, and all that other stuff. But he definitely stepped in here. But uh, start with Monday, and, and, and we'll catch back up and get your take on well, this. Well, you know, Dolan's going to give a quarter million dollars to the NHL for that scorched earth statement that they released. Mm-hmm. Um, look, the struggle with Tom Wilson is this. He's a good hockey player, and he's wrapped up in a goon, and that's I think that's the rub here. If it was Rafi Torres, who really was very – Rafi had his moments, but the reality is he was a heat-seeking missile looking for the best player on the other team for a big chunk of his career. Um, he has a special – uh, part of the uh, emotion in Chicago Blackhawks land because of the hit on Marion Hossa that scared everybody uh, and, frankly, could have ended Hossa's career. Um, but, Hossa, you know, Torres had limitations as a player. And I think the frustration is that Tom Wilson shows signs that he's a, a viable, solid hockey player. But then he's just he's repeatedly crossing the line. And he, what he did in that game on Monday, uh, you know, Buchnevich is on his stomach on the ice, gives him a, you know, a series of cheap shots to the shoulder slash neck slash head area. And Artemi Panarin, who's given up whatever, 35, 40 pounds as the leader that he is steps in and says, hell no, you're not doing that to my teammate. And Wilson ragdolls him with no helmet. Chucks him to the ice a couple times and ends his regular season. Um, unacceptable. There's there's no – and this is a guy who was suspended earlier this year for seven games for lumberjacking a guy. Um, there's no place in the game for it. You've heard other enforcers. You've heard – you know, Sean Avery did a cameo for a radio show and said that if he could get in the time machine and get himself back on the ice, he'd run the other team he, – he'd run Washington's goalie the first chance he got. So that they knew that there were repercussions. John Scott, a well-known enforcer who did the dance with George Peros a number of times throughout his career, was very strong in his 
video that he posted on social media saying that there's a code. And when a guy's not fighting back and you've got him by 40 pounds and he doesn't have his helmet on, you take your foot off the gas. You know, there's a stopping point in the unwritten code. People talk about the unwritten rules of baseball. There's a code with the with the with the old school goons, fighters, however you want to call them in hockey. And he crossed every line and he's done it repeatedly. And there's no place in the national. There should be no place in the National Hockey League for someone that conducts himself the way that Tom Wilson does. And the problem is he shows you at other times that he's a viable NHL player who has enough skill to make it interesting. And it's just it's it's frustrating that the National Hockey League continues to slap him on the wrist. You know, one of the criteria that they talk about when they make their little explanation videos for social media on when they hand out discipline is was a player injured? How did it affect the game? And was he disciplined on the ice at the time? And is he a repeat offender? He ended Artemi Panarin is one of the 10 best players in the national hockey league without question. I would submit he's one of the top five. His season's over because of Tom Wilson's actions. So a superstar on an original six team in the largest media market in the world is done because of Tom Wilson. And he's a repeat offender. He's the definition of repeat offender. When you look it up in the dictionary, when you Google repeat offender, Tom Wilson's picture shows up. This is a guy who's got what half dozen suspensions and dozens of other fines on his resume. His LinkedIn is more of a police blotter than it is a you know, job listing. Um, and to give him a, I understand that it's the maximum in the CBA, $5,000. It's not the dollar amount. Nobody cares that it's half of a game check or whatever it is for Tom Wilson. The reality is that they slapped him on the wrist and it was a moment where they should have thrown the book at him. He should have been suspended, not only for the rest of the regular season. I think Pierre Maguire was making this point dozens of times. It felt like during that broadcast of the game last night that if he was suspended just for that game, maybe you don't have the gong show that we watched where you have a hundred penalty minutes handed out in the first period alone, but his regular season should have been done. And I would argue that he should have been done for the playoffs because that crossed every possible line that you can in a hockey game. And a guy like him should know better, but the league continues to slap him on the wrist and allow him to stand in the penalty box with four of his teammates, five guys in the box at once. These are four other guys that had to answer the bell because of his recklessness. And he's standing at the end of the penalty box, smiling at the Rangers, five guys in the penalty box. Because he knows that it's no sweat off his back to go out there and have a, you know, kudos to Brennan Smith for being the guy that drew the short straw and had to do the dance. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he went out there and did what he needed to do on behalf of his team. He showed some leadership there, but you know, Wilson can stand there and smile and be dismissive of whatever people want to say, because he's an entitled villain. That's what he is. He's an entitled villain. And that is the problem that the NHL has right now is they have a guy who's big enough and strong enough to do legit damage. And he has no regard for who it is or how big they are or the unwritten rules of the game. And he's out there, just he's not even taking names he's just beating people up and the way that the rangers responded and i tweeted this you know watching the game last night 
the Rangers obviously wanted to stand up for Panarin. And you saw, you know, Artemi Panarin put the Rangers logo out on his Instagram feed when he was watching that game. Clearly, he felt the love and that they were coming to his defense. Um, But the NHL should be embarrassed that the way that that first period played out was what it was. And you've got, you know, one of the great leaders of the last generation, Zdeno Chara, get in the showers early because he was trying to calm things down. Mm-hmm. You got a young guy in Buchnevich who's out there picking up, still trying to get a piece of Wilson, slashing him after the whistle, trying to get a piece. And Chara's out there telling the Rangers, look, the fights have happened. Let's put it away and play hockey. And understandably, the Rangers didn't care because their best player is done for the year mm-hmm. because of something that a guy did with no repercussions really whatsoever. And this is a situation that the Department of Player Safety put them in, and we all got to watch what the reality was playing out, that the Rangers weren't going to take it. They weren't going to be the soft team that rolled over. I mean, look, Dolan comes out and fires the president and the GM, who I think if you pay attention to the game and you look at the kids that they've got coming, did a hell of a job getting them back into a position that they're going to be interesting for the next five to seven years. You know, their offense has been there this year. Lafreniere's had a rough go for, you know, being that highly hyped number one overall pick that he is. But I think a lot of people who are realistic knew that he was going to come in and probably be a third line guy and get his feet wet in the national hockey league and learn the game and get, learn how physical he needs to be to compete. But with all of that going on, and I think everybody knew the jury was going to be the GM at some point, jumping him straight to the president and GM was a, a bit much. I think Davidson deserved a better faith than that, and I don't think he'll be out of job for very long. You know, for me, throwing Gallant's name around for the Blackhawks as often as I did earlier in, in the show, um, you know, Buffalo should have called him the second that press release hit the wire. Yeah. I mean, if you put Davidson in Buffalo with the talent that they have in the deep pockets that the ownership has, that's how you turn that ship around real quick. But the NHL should have been embarrassed watch, having that game on national television for everybody to watch. And yeah, maybe they wanted it result. that way, Tab. It was, it was a direct result of George Peros and the Department of Player Safety not doing their job. And the New York Rangers got fined $250,000 earlier this morning for the statement that they put out, and that statement was absolutely appropriate. It was spot on, and it needed to be said. On behalf, and I am sure that in a sober moment offline, you probably would have had more than 20 other front offices co-sign that statement from the New York Rangers. That there's no place in the game for garbage like that. And there are other superstars who are now going to have to look over their shoulder because the NHL Department of Player Safety set a precedent that they're only going to care when they have to, and repeat offenders can get off still. And it's not appropriate, and it's not what we want to see. We want to see the best players in the game out there dominating and playing like they are. And if it had been Connor McDavid, maybe it's different. Nah, nobody's but, allowed to touch him, man. Come on. No. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe McSorley will come out of retirement. <laughs> Maybe McSorley will come out of retirement to protect him like he did 99. No, I I, I really believe in my soul that you would have had at least 20 other front offices co-sign that statement from the New York Rangers. And there's, I think the league needs to have a Well, they've got their code. (laughs) The owners have their code. Yeah, but they, they need to have a real long, hard conversation in the league office about what they're doing in player safety because... This is not the first instance where people have had questions since George Peros took over. And 
I can understand some of the rationale in having a former enforcer and George Peros in that seat. Um, but I have not seen enough from him from a consistency perspective with discipline to give him much of a vote of confidence moving forward. It's uh yeah, and that 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 exhale is from a Ranger fan there, folks. So it's um it's been a been a wild couple of uh, days here, and as far as a long term, I'm an older guy, 52. Uh, you know, watching this league for a long time, I'm not surprised how all of this. The only I was just shocked more than anything about JD and Gordon. That was the biggest thing that I think a lot of us Ranger fans are still going to have to kind of shake our heads here and get over here and, and get over and then see what I, happens. I, I mean, I think Nick, I think Nick's fans were the only people that weren't surprised. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, like like. You, you, You've got arguably the top pipeline of kids coming, and you're signing them, and they're all ready to go. You've started to see what some of these young guys have got at the National Hockey League level. When you, Let's be real. When you look at this division, it's like the Blackhawks. The odds of them getting in the playoffs were very slim starting this year. And the only reason they're sitting in five right now is because Philadelphia crapped the bet as hard as they did. So this was a learning curve year for the New York Rangers, and I feel like they should their fans – and their front office should be confident that they're headed in the right direction and that the future is incredibly bright at Madison Square Garden. But you've got an owner who apparently doesn't realize that, and now that Julius Randle's playing as well as he is for the other tenant at MSG, he can turn his attention to a team that didn't make the playoffs and lose his mind and fire two guys that did, for my money, a very good job. They were tasked with rebuilding. They publicly said they were going to rebuild. They've done their job. They're on the cusp of being interesting and exciting and a team that you're going to want to buy tickets to watch. And he pulled the plug. And, it, you know, it kind of feels like when Frank Viola bought the Florida Panthers and yanked the rug out from under Dale Talon. And then look at what they did. They lost, you know, Riley Smith and Marcia So to Vegas in the uh, expansion draft and had, a you know, a couple burned years before they finally gave the keys back to Talon and brought Quinville. In. And now they're right back where they should be. But think about how much more dangerous Florida would be if Talon was still there and they'd managed that expansion draft the right way. Yep. And you had one of Riley Smith and Marcia so still on that team. God help us. They'd be the top team in the National Hockey League. You could argue that they are without those guys. Uh, and they're playing well enough without Aaron Eckblad that they're still fascinating. But those guys did a good enough job in that front office that, I, like I said, I think when Chris Fury got that job, everybody knew that he was the heir apparent as the general manager. It reminds me of when Stan Bowman was sitting in the shadows behind Talon in Chicago. You knew the writing was on the wall, but to do it now with the job that Gordon had done, just it, it feels like such a knee-jerk reaction, and it feels like somebody came in after they were eliminated from the playoffs and looked at the record for the first time all year without ever watching the product on the ice and said, eh, not good enough. Mm-hmm. There, that's a decision you make with absolutely no context to what the Rangers have been able to do this year. I mean, they're... We talk about the Hawks having a negative 27 goal differential and where they're at with all these young guys. The Rangers are in a similar position. They've got 172 goals scored this year. They've outscored Boston and the Islanders both. They've got a plus 23 goal differential. Like there's, They'd be in the playoffs if they weren't on the division. Yeah. I mean, with, with 58 points, they'd be right there with Nashville in the Central. Yep. 58 points, have them in fourth. They'd be ahead of Montreal, a mm-hmm. team that they'll, you know, back in traditional alignment they'd be with. And they'd be in the four spot in the West. There you go. So they'd be a play. They'd be at least in the playoff conversation in the other three divisions. Um, in a six division format, they're probably a playoff team right now. But an owner who clearly doesn't know what he's doing, who is one of becoming, if not has become, 
one of the all-time villains in New York City sports history. Um, just came in and it feels like he just ignored context and didn't care about what had, you know, the, the narrative around where they are in the, in the standings and just said, screw it, I'm going to rip it up and see what happens. And I don't envy Chris Jury coming into that job because while he's got a stocked cupboard and he's got a lot of hope for the future and he's got a lot of really nice pieces to play with, he's also got to have the reality that the job that Davidson and Gordon did wasn't good enough for an owner that clearly doesn't care about context. He cares about bottom line. And that's not a recipe for job security for anybody, even a guy who's meant as much to that organization as jury has. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was stunned to see that news. And I don't think that, you know, they, they said, you know, when the introductory press conference of jury that it had nothing to do with the, that statement that came out, I think that that had to play at least some part of it. Um, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of dissension in that organization right now over a lot of different things. Uh, you don't you don't have to read too much about Dolan to think that you know a front office not seeing eye to eye with him as an owner is a is a very far stretch from reality. But yeah, it's just this has been I would submit one of the hardest weeks certainly of the last thirty forty years in in the history of the New York Rangers franchise because it felt like things were going in the right direction. It felt like they were really competing and being. And again, entertaining, fun team to watch and prospect for the future. And I got a new front office. Your star player's done for the year, and you got a team that's got to stand up for a guy because the league won't handle its business and send a goon out for the rest of the year. So, tough week for the Blue Shirts. Time Certainly. to hit the tiki bar and get drunk for the rest of the summer until training camp comes back here in New York. And it'll be interesting to hopefully hear from J.D. and Gorton, get their take on this if uh, – if we ever get there. But uh, Tab has always oh, given sure. me more I'm, time. I'm, I, than- like I said, I, I have no question at all, especially Davidson, that he'll land on his feet somewhere. Oh, yeah. And I I think Gordon did a good enough job that there are a number of organizations that would be insane to not at least have a phone call. But if if they went as a package deal to Buffalo, I, I would totally understand it, and I would be scared to death of the Sabres. Um, but – Neither here nor there. We're still waiting for the dust to settle and the embers to cool off from a a red-hot week for the Blue Shirts at Madison Square Garden. A couple of games to go. There's still much more to happen. Tab, you're the best as always. Give me uh, way more time than I could ask you for, so I really appreciate it, brother. Have a great weekend. Uh, we'll see you on the Twitter, and we'll uh, get back at it next week as uh, more playoff spots lock up. Thanks so much, man. Beautiful. Talk to you soon. All right, Tab Banford, ladies and gentlemen, as always, giving us a take. On the Hawks, the Central Division. And, man, some great stuff there on the show. Definitely talk about entertaining the show in New York. And THS rolls on. All right, it's time to head up to the great city of Montreal. In beautiful Canada. Our northern neighbors. And welcome back, Mr. Costa Papalias. Costa, buddy, what's going on? Welcome back. Thanks, Paulie. Good to be back. Missed you, man. Missed you last week. You're telling me I felt naked without doing the show last week. It's all good, though, now. We're a team here, but we're all right. We, we, you know, me, Joe, and 
Tav and Steve. We carried you, but we missed you last week, buddy. We're glad you have the back, man. And uh, I guess I guess it's all right for for not being around last week because this week's uh, we got some more interesting stuff to talk about with the with the Habs. Now, definitely getting in a chance to lock in your playoff spot tonight with a win and and possibly an Oilers win. I think that's the combo you need for this evening. Uh, either way, I think you're uh, you're ten points ahead of the Flames. So this is a lock, buddy. It's just a matter of who you're going to play in the first round. Um, three and one last four. Um, with wins versus the Jets, Sens, and the Leafs. You got the Leafs tonight. Obviously, everybody in Canada will be watching that show. And then you guys finish with the Oilers, um, you know, next Wednesday after another game here on Saturday. I guess that'll be a Hockey Night in Canada game uh, this weekend as well. But uh, you guys are all right, right? And you guys are playing well. Caulfield's lighting the lamp. Everything's good in Montreal, buddy. Caulfield's just got a score during regulation now. That's all I'm worried about. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that that gets looking great, man. That release is lethal. I mean, I know I've seen it on videos with him playing with Wisconsin and all, but man, oh man, seeing it like real time in overtime like that and the two posts that he hit too, that freaked me out. There was one where he was on his off wing, literally received the puck, and it's the way you get taught, right? You're supposed to receive the puck and release all at once. He did it faster than I could blink <laughs> and put it off the barn. I think like, you know, you know, all the Leafs are still looking for that puck because nobody knew where the hell it went after it left the stick. <laughs> all they heard was the ping, and that was it. Campbell's still spinning in circles looking for it. I mean, it's incredible what that kid can do. I mean, he's – and, you know, the proof is in the over the first overtime goal he scored where he recognized that Kachuk and uh, the defense on the Ottawa Senators were gassed. I mean, Kachuk was out there for something like three minutes or something to that effect. Petrie sees the kid, like, just making a beeline towards the net, goes to the backhand, little saucer pass over to the kid, and he puts it into the corner for his first NHL goal. That's the stuff you, me, and everybody else who ever wanted to play professional hockey dreams of. Your first NHL goal at the biggest point of a hockey game. And the kid <laughs> pulled that off in style. So give us a little backstory on Caulfield, too. Where, where did he come from here? Um, uh, what was the point of him getting into the lineup here? Uh, with Duchamp getting him in there. And, and outside of what he's done, obviously, in overtime for you guys, just his all-around play and his vibe on the bench and working with the team and the chemistry and, and the system right now. Well, you're talking about a prospect that's got better numbers overall at the college level than players like, you know, the, the Phil Kessel. That's, that's, you know, Phil Kessel, you know, what kind of goal scorer and player he was. And, I mean, you know, you look at Cole Caulfield, his numbers double what Kessel was able to produce at the collegiate level. That's so crazy. it's crazy what this kid can do. You know, and then, you know, you look at what he did in Wisconsin, winning the Hobie Baker last year, he jumps into the American Hockey League, just continues to score goals at the American Hockey League level. I mean, I could see why the Canadians brought him up. I would have thought maybe they would have tried to get him to the lineup a little bit earlier. But I'm not the type of guy who likes to take a young kid and, and throw him into the Lions then right away because – over the years, I mean, you've seen different players come to Montreal when they were young, and whether it was, uh, you know, Mike Ribeiro uh, or uh, Guillaume Latendres or any number of young prospects that they brought up right out of junior. I mean, those guys didn't pan out. And the reason why they didn't pan out, because there was too high an expectation, and this city just produces way too much pressure. I kind of thought that was too much for Caulfield to handle right away, but I think given the fact that there's no fans uh, you know, media is, you know, it's limited at best and short because it's all, you know, in the, via Zoom or whatever. I, I think it's kind of the perfect storm for this kid to be able to get wellness concerts with the markets like here in Montreal without having that additional pressure put on him. 
so I think maybe the uh, well, despite the fact that I wouldn't do it, I think maybe the Canadians did do it right. And then, I mean, it still remains to be seen. It's only a short sample size, but so far, so good. And I don't think anybody in their right mind would complain about how that kid's been playing because he's seen limited minutes. He's already quarterbacking the power play. I mean, they're giving this kid responsibilities you normally wouldn't give a rookie, and he's flourishing. But, you know, it remains to be seen if they, he, can, he can sustain that. But mm-hmm. so far, man, I'm more than impressed. No, that's good stuff, and uh, it'd be great to get a look at him here in the playoffs too. I'm sure. Uh, uh, I mean, let's let's talk about him complimenting the rest of the team here. Obviously, the stinker last night against the Sens, but um, you know, I know Winnipeg was struggling here a little bit, and obviously, you guys love beating up on the Leafs and stuff. But talk about how the team has been playing here, uh, in addition to him coming aboard, and um, you know, kind of you know, definitely you know. Spacing themselves away from the flames here. I mean, you know these guys are getting in, so that's not going to be the issue. But talk about your your feeling now, your vibe with the team since we've talked uh, basically two weeks ago. Well, it's it's kind of scary because if you look at uh, you know overall what this team has been able to do. I mean, we talked earlier about how you know the, the three game set with the Flames. If they lost all three, they were done. They managed to salvage one of those games, and in between they ended up losing Shea Weber in the process. And since that period of time, the teams actually played better hockey. And it all comes down to, you know, the fact that, you know, maybe Shea is a little bit long in the tooth for the way the game is being played right now. But overall, you look at this team and you've got Jonathan Drouin, who's out right now on personal for personal reasons. Carey Price is on the shelf, although he's skating. Brendan Gallagher's got his broken hand, and now Shea Weber's out. Four of the cornerstone pieces of your franchise out of the lineup, mm-hmm. and your team's been able to pull this off. Yeah. And so it speaks volumes towards what the youth has been able to do and the confidence that they've been able to build. You know, whether you're looking at Yasperi Kotkaniemi, who's been shouldering a lot of that load and playing extremely well on the wing, or you look at, you know, Eric Stahl has pulled up his socks a little bit. Corey Perry is playing like he did 10 years ago, which is really helping this whole situation. And then you got Cole Caulfield. Above and beyond that, you look at the back end, and Jeff Petrie is just towing the line and playing incredibly on the back end, you know, and uh, you're getting contributions. Brett Kulak, you know, you look at Edmonton, he's playing a solid brand of D, uh, Ben Sherratt. So it, it's overall, it's all been good, but none of it, would, none of this would have been possible without having Jake Allen between the pipes. That guy's been all world. I mean, what he's been able to pull off. Uh, in the last little while in Carey Price's absence has been mm-hmm. incredible. And then you add in Caden Primo's getting a couple of games in there too and playing well. I mean, it's all, it all bodes well. And again, it's all about the youth. The youth is stepping up and carrying the load and they're doing it in style. And that's, uh, that's something we haven't seen here in Montreal very often. Normally they lean on their, their veterans all the time. You know, you know as well as I do. I yell, I used to yell about that all the time. Stop mm-hmm. playing the vets. Let the kids play. Well, they're letting the kids play, and the kids are proving that they can. And that's the important part here. Well, that's good stuff. Hey, look, you bring up a lot of different things that the has been going through here over the last couple of months. And, and obviously, Deshaun here, he's, he's on the verge of uh, coaching now in his first NHL playoffs. Um, talk about him. Maybe give him a little grade here as if you've gotten to know him a little more. And, 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 and obviously, the way the team's been playing. Four games left here in the regular season. Uh, before they jump into the playoffs, um, how has he progressed for you um, it, through all the different adversities and the system uh, and the guys in and out of the lineup? Uh, how, is, how has he been handling this? And, and do you feel confident maybe with this guy going forward beyond uh, this season? I don't think it's just him. 
I mean, as much as I like to give Don Ducharme all the credit in the world, I mean, a lot has to be said about what Alex Burroughs has been able to do behind the bench with the power play. And that power play, for years, it's been anemic. And all of a sudden, other teams are starting to worry when the Canadians are on the power play because they're moving the puck well, they're shooting from different angles, they're getting traffic in front, and they're doing what a power play needs to do to be successful. I, up until, you know, Colo Julien got fired, they weren't doing that. And you know, we're looking at a power play that ran upwards of, what, 18 19%. Now that, you know, they've been running in the 30s and they're getting quality scoring chances, it's not as if they can't penetrate the zone like before. So you got to give Alex Burroughs a hell of a lot of credit when it comes to that. And then defensively, you got to look at Luke Richardson, look at the job he's done, especially developing defensemen like like Brett Kulak. Like, who'd have funk it, man? Brett Kulak was on the depth chart there as filler. And lo and behold, this guy's built up his own spot on the team where he's being relied on in pressure situations. And Again, he's flourishing. So, you know, I think Ducharme is doing a lot of work delegating everything to his assistants. Overall, the whole staff needs to have, a, needs to have a, you know, the credit given to him. Ducharme's leading the way, but those assistants are doing a great job as well. Yeah, and then look, man, if they have any, any kind of success here in the first round, uh, it'll be good stuff for you guys, right? I mean, just, you know, just in general, putting the season together here, uh, Costa, as far as, you know, the, the, the change, obviously, with uh, Claude. And, you know, I've talked to you earlier in the season about, you know, the, the trouble maybe Montreal has in terms of keeping and signing free agents. And, and obviously, we've talked here about the, you know, the uh, the market and the scrutiny here and, and obviously the language. And I think you, you bring up some great points there about no fans in the building and, and because of the, the pandemic here and the COVID and different coverage, maybe not as much pressure as uh, maybe so a bunch of these new guys that are playing uh, in, in this type of, a, you know, almost a playoff intensity season all year long. And we've also talked about the travel here with uh, Montreal. You guys up in the north are the only division that's been going east to west, you know. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of stuff that I guess the team is coming out of. And, you know, you, you guys are going to be in the playoffs. So at least you, now you're going to get to evaluate these guys, obviously, in a, in a playoff round. They're going to get invaluable playoff experience. And obviously for your coaching staff, including, and I think it's great you bring up Bellas there and, and, and Richardson too, because that's not something that I would think about in terms of, you know, you're so, totally focused on the May guy on the bench. But I think this is all good stuff for the Habs going forward, man. I think so too. I mean, it's been – the only thing that I worry about about this town, and it's always the same thing, is that playoff success, right? Because that's what this team is always measured by. Can One, can they get, can they get into the playoffs? Because that's been inconsistent at best lately. And then two, can they get past the first round? Because it's been a while since they got out of it. And, you know, if they can manage to get out of the first round, whether they play the Leafs or anybody else, I really don't care at this point. As long as they get out of that first round, it's going to speak volume towards relaxing some of that pressure that this team sees all the time. And, you know, there's been, you know, I mentioned Jonathan Drouin before, and there was all this talk about, you know, him leaving the team. You know, he had two goals in 67 games, and he decided, you know, I'm taking a leave. And nobody knows whether or not this is something personal or whether, it's, you know, the pressure is getting to him being hockey-related and all the, all the garbage that's being spewed about him in the media and stuff like that. I mean, nobody knows. And, you know, we, you miss, we, we wish the guy nothing but the best because he's a good solid kid you know a local kid from Mont Tremblant here in the northern part of Quebec but mm-hmm. you know that the pressure that and, and, and I don't think teams well most guys that that know Montreal love coming to play into Montreal right because it's such a nice city and the fans you know are really exuberant or whatever they see that but they don't understand what really goes on as far as being a player and the amount of pressure that's put on this franchise not because of what they're able to do but what was done by other teams 
25 and 30 and 40 years ago when this team was the dynasty in the National Hockey League. They're still having to live up to that pressure because people will not let it go. They want that type of hockey back. But that's not the fault of anybody that's lacing them up. It's the fault of the organizations. It's the fault of, you know, the leadership not being able to draft. It's the fault of the general manager trading away draft picks in the past and stuff like that to get veteran help. The list goes on and on. And I could talk about it until I have the blessed hair on my head. But at the end of the day, I mean, the bottom line is, is that you take some of that pressure off this franchise and you show a measure of success. And I think you're going to have that little piece of, 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 of harmony that you need to be able to move this team forward. Without that, you continue to have the same thing where, oh, it's the general manager's fault. Oh, it's the coach's fault. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And, and a lot of times, there's a lot of positive there. And, you know, I, I complain about this all the time. For years, we didn't have positive in the city. Mm-hmm. We didn't make playoffs, you know, which is something that was the standard here. It was, you know, not making the playoffs was blasphemy. Then all of a sudden, for three straight years, your team doesn't make the playoffs and it becomes the norm. That's not what people want around here. They want success. Same way you do in New York. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just there. It's what you expect from the team because they've been there for so long. Mm-hmm. And so now when they, that they don't have it, they want, oh, yeah, I want playoffs. Oh, I want first round. I want the first round. I'll win the second round. Oh, you know what? We're going to win the cup. No. <laughs> Take it in baby steps. You made the playoffs here now. Short of a, some kind of a freaking miracle or the Canadians falling off the face of the earth, you're in the playoffs. You're going to find out who your first-round opponent is. Focus on that first-round opponent get out of the first round. Then focus on the second-round opponent. Get out of the second round. Don't look too far down the road. And that's not just for the coaching staff. That's for every single fan of this team. Stay focused on being able to make yourself better. Last year, nobody expected them to do anything in the bubble. Nobody expected them to do anything at all. They beat Pittsburgh. They got into the playoff round. Sure, they lost in the play first, play, first round, but they did look good when they yep. did, as they did it. It wasn't as if they got blown out. The team mm-hmm. did look good. So there's positives there. Nobody saw it that way. Oh, the Canadians, you know, they shouldn't have been there in the first place because they were the 16th <laughs> overall. Yeah, but they beat Pittsburgh. You know, they were the last team in, to make it into the playing round, and they beat Pittsburgh. That yep. says something, man. And mm-hmm. there's positive there, but no, they shouldn't have been there. Ah, I don't know why they're there. That's all you heard from Montrealers. And it sickens me. Look at the positive. Give this team something positive to feel about and let then you're going to be able to draw the free agents because you're going to realize there's not that pressure on this team anymore. There's success. There's happiness. There's people who actually give a damn and don't criticize everything. That brings value to the city. That's what the city's lost. It's not the team. It's the city that screwed this up. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Get away from being so pressure-packed and let the team grow. If the team grows and they get better as they do it, you're going to notice a different Montreal, I'm telling you. And that's going to be something that free agents are going to want to come to. Yeah, hope to, hope to see that, man, up there. You know, you know, even though I'm a diehard Rangers fan and we've had our battles over the years and stuff like that, and obviously there's so much history between the Rangers and, and the Habs going back and forth over the years, and I, and I love that. And I think uh, hopefully we'll, we get that back here in, in a few years. Obviously, uh, you know, Montreal franchise is going through stuff, and obviously New York has just been turned upside down, and I'm going to get your take on that in a minute here or two. But hopefully that all works out, man. I love your positive vibes and the outlook on, on the Habs, and I really do hope that returns up there in Montreal. So, look, with um, just a real touch here on the division here in, in the playoffs and how things are looking to line up, I, I, I got a couple questions for you real quick. Has Toronto made enough changes to 
are you, are you, are you, should should the teams be scared about them? Or I'm going to ask you. Obviously, Winnipeg had a real tough time there, losing seven in a row until they stopped it last night. Um, you know, McDavid here's, and I hope he gets it. Looking to get uh, 100 points here with I think four or five games left. But mm-hmm. I guess the, the key focus for we, we we've talked about this, and I guess that's the big thing. And I guess the pressure's on them too. It, is Toronto? real enough yet. I mean, have they have they changed anything since they've made the changes? Get, give me your take here on the Leafs. The Leafs, it's all between the ears, man. I will not stop saying it. It's too much. There's too much going on between the ears of everybody that's there to even focus on, you know, any type of success. They need to be a team. They're not. There's too many individuals there. There's too many guys playing for themselves and not playing for the, the logo in the front. You know how important that is, man. You know, the, the 94 Cup team and the Rangers, they all played for the logo in the front of the shirt. There was no one individual guy that made that team win the Cup, short of Mark Messier being the leader that he always was, right? But when you look at the Leafs, there's no real leader. There's no one guy stepping up and saying, okay, guys, get in line. You got a bunch of voices. They expected John Tavares to be that leader, but he's not vocal. John Tavares is the silent type guy who should have an A on his shirt because he talks by the way he plays, right? He plays with his heart on his sleeve. But he doesn't have the character to lead the team. Who does on the Leafs? I don't think there's a single guy in that room short of Nick Foligno, which they just picked up, that would have the ability to lead the team moving forward. Because he's got that character. You need that meat and potatoes type of guy to be able to lead your team forward, right? But sure, guys like, you know, you look at, you know, over the years people have criticized different captains because of their inability to lead, you know? Nobody in their right mind, and I, I'm thinking, I, I know you're going to agree with this, would have ever thought to make Yarmir Yager the captain of their team because he's not the vocal type. Mm-hmm. You know, Yarmir Yager was the captain of the Rangers, but he really wasn't the captain of the Rangers because there was nothing for him to be able to, to lead with other yeah. than his ability to play on the ice. You know, you look at Montreal, sure, Shea Weber is the leader, but, you know, Montreal right now, Shea is not the leader because he's not there. Mm-hmm. But the other guys, the character is showing. So that's great. No problem. But that, you need that type of meat and potatoes type of guy to be your captain. You know, a long time ago, Montreal named a guy by the name of Mike Keane as their captain. And I don't think out of all the teams in the National Hockey League, there would be, there would, there would be a single one of them that wouldn't want Mike Keane on their team. Because he scored goals, he was gritty, and he led you know, with his mouth and by example. But Montreal, they made him the captain. All of a sudden, the French media went nuts and they had to get rid of him. But that's the type of character you want. Yep. Kirk Muller is another example. You know, meat potatoes type of guy put the puck in the net and who could lead because he opened his mouth. Guy Carbonell. Yep. The list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. None of the guys are flashy. None of the guys are your leading scorer. Because you don't want the added pressure of being the captain to your leading scorer. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of teams are doing. The guys you expect to lead, they're giving them the C just because... It, you know, it's Tavares because he can get you 80 points a year. Or it's Connor McDavid because he can get you 120. But then a guy like Leon Dreisaitl who could play the body and, and, and so on and so forth, he can do that too. So why would you give it to McDavid? Because Dreisaitl didn't want it or you don't think Dreisaitl didn't deserve it? That's the whole premise behind the captaincy. The captaincy is the reflection of the identity of your team. If you want your team to play with pride, you need a guy who wears the C who's prideful. And that's what Toronto doesn't have. They don't have a guy wearing the C who has any pride and who could lead the team by example. When they do, they'll be dangerous. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man, and I agree with those kind of character guys that you need wearing the C. There's no doubt about it. You can run up and down the uh, you know, the teams and 
and, and pick out the ones that uh, you know carry it and and and. It's a different element, man. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's a, it's a different sort of player. Some guys were able to do it. And maybe, you know, you, you can't even put I – mean, Gretzky was just on a different level as far as him. I mean, you were never not going to make him the captain of the team. I, I don't think he was. I think the only time he wasn't was when he was in St. Louis. And obviously – But you see the difference, the difference with Gretzky, though, and bringing up Wayne is the fact that he was vocal. And he opened his mouth yeah. when he had to. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of – and he could back it up when we all knew it. Mm-hmm. So there's no problem with him being able to open his mouth because he had character. Above and beyond what he was able to do on the ice, and that was there. But that's Wayne. You know, do you think Mario Lemieux was a great captain? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. He wore the C, but I don't think he was a great captain. He was a great player. There's a huge difference there and a differentiation that every team needs to start making for success. I agree with you, no doubt about it. So a uh, team that needs a captain uh, and has to pick one is the New York Rangers. So, look, Casa, you know, you're, you're a hockey fan like me. You've been watching this game for years. Um, so I definitely got to tell I'm asking all the guys today their take on, on on the Tom Wilson thing on Monday, the Rangers statement there on Tuesday, and then obviously the huge shakeup yesterday with Gordon and JD getting fired. So give me a, give me a few quick thoughts here on, on on your take on the whole enchilada on this post Cinco de Mayo day. Well, let's start first of all by talking about Tom Stupid Wilson. <laughs> uh, between you and me, there's two things that need to be done. Number one, he needs to be suspended indefinitely pending a CT test on his brain. Because I, I, I'm sure no, – no, listen, I, I'm being dead serious here, Paul. You're laughing, but I, I think that guy's got CTE in the worst possible way. Because – Okay, Tom, where are you coming Tom, from? Tom, Tom Wilson is a very good player and very effective when he wants to be. But when he – the switch gets flipped in his head, he goes absolutely off board, and he's uncontrollably bad. And, you know, when you see players like that, you start to think, like, there has to be something wrong here. You know, uh, if you look at football, people were saying, have been saying that about Adamic and Sue for years. He is a fantastic football player, but, you know, he sometimes he loses it, the switch goes off, and he starts doing things on the field that he shouldn't, and he gets himself into trouble. That That's Tom Wilson. Tom mm-hmm. Wilson can score goals. He's good, you know, at penalty killing. He's effective on the power play. And yet he goes out and does these boneheaded things. I, I, I don't understand it. And from the Rangers' perspective, I mean, I don't understand why Gordon and JD got fired. But I can tell you this much: I wouldn't be letting somebody like Terry Panarin go after Tom Wilson. And I wouldn't wait for like a line brawl. Tom Wilson punched one of your players in the back of the head while he was defenseless. I'd have taken him out. I don't care what it would have taken. I'd have taken him out because that's what leadership does. Yeah. And again, it comes back to what you said about not having a captain on the team. Somebody should have stepped up other than Panarin and beaten the living daylights out of him right there on the spot. And I know people don't want fighting in the game, but Wilson deserves it. I'm sorry. He's the defense. Well, I think Who's the player again? Bushnevich? Yeah, Bushnevich was on the I ground. And obviously, and then, and yeah, then Bushnevich was on the ground. I mean, he's defenseless. How can you let a guy like Tom Wilson just pound him two, three times in the head with his face into the ice? Well, I and mean, then yeah. you expect Panarin to jump him. Well, that's like, the problem you know, right there is that that's the guy who has to jump him is uh, Artemi Panarin, which should have, been, should have been miles away from that whole scuffle to begin with. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the line brawl. The line brawl solves nothing. I mean, okay, yeah, everybody wants to beat the living hell out of everybody because of what happened. But all this is because one player decided to lose his mind, Right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to focus on the problem. The problem is Tom Wilson. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Go ahead. 
when it comes down to Gordon and JD, okay, I, I love JD. In fact, there are people in Montreal talking about John Davidson becoming the next GM of the Montreal Canadiens. That's how much he's beloved, right? Now, granted, he doesn't speak a lick of French other than saying bonjour and goodbye. But, you know, it's, it's like, you know, John Davidson is a good general manager. You and I both know it. You saw what he did in, in, in Columbus rebuilding that team before he handed it off to kick a line in. He was hired as the president of the, of the Rangers to be able to rebuild that team. Why are you firing the guy? He bleeds Ranger blue. You and I both know that. So why would they let him go? And why would they fire Gordon, who I think, in my opinion, has been doing a great job rebuilding the team because they're showing signs of improvement. If the team was just languishing the entire time, yeah, fire the guy, kick him out. <clears throat> they should have done that with Mark Bergeron too, by the way. But, you know, the Dolans are showing less patience. But Gordon wouldn't have been the guy I look at the fire. The yeah. team may not be where everybody wants them to be, but they're showing signs of improvement. And to get rid of those two guys, I mean, especially Jack, John Davidson, that's a clear-cut mistake. And it's going to end up biting them in the backside. Yeah, I think there's a lot more to the story to still come out because it's just there's, there's too much craziness going on here. Those guys are just too talented, too well-respected. We'll wonder if we'll hear from J.D. or Gordon as far as their side of this whole thing. Um, but it is, uh, it's, it's an absolutely, it's been a wild year in, here in New York. And this just kind of, you know, puts a cap on it. It's still, yeah. Yes, I mean, there's still a couple games left here. But, I mean, we as Ranger fans, I mean, even the Tom Wilson thing and, and all that stuff, and, and your perspective is good, man, because I hadn't heard that before as far as, you know, uh, the CTE thing with Tom, and I think you bring up a good point because I think it's it's very relevant uh, in the NHL. It's it's been a kind of a silent thing, uh, unfortunately, uh, as far as kept aside and kept under. But um, yeah, I think more of us here in Rangerland are more just you know freaked out about the whole Gorton and JD thing. That we didn't see that coming, uh, but it is what it is, and we move on here and we see what happens uh, going forward. Obviously, uh, Quinn's going to be evaluated here, too. You know, uh, it's just, it's been unbelievable. But, you know, but I wanted to ask you real quick before I let you go, Costa. I mean, you know, outside of the Tom Wilson thing and you focusing on him there, don't you think this is a, this is a, the league created this, obviously, with the enforcer being taken out. Um, you know, uh, the, the Rangers, you know, you bring up a good point. The fact that there's no, there was nobody on the Rangers team to police Tom Wilson. And, you know, last night was a show, obviously. You knew that was going to happen. You know, it's almost like, you know, they, 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 maybe the league even looked at the Kyle. Hey, they're playing on NBC on Wednesday night. Let's give them $5,000, and we'll have this big show, big ratings on Wednesday night. Who knows? But um, I think that's a big part of it, too. I think the league has basically set this thing up. That, that's why it is the way it is. Well, no doubt, man. I mean, there's there's a few things that the league has done and, and that, that has ruined this, right? One is... Uh, the officials just aren't calling the game like it should be called in certain instances, especially when it comes to roughhousing. You know, they've put a little bit too much emphasis on interference and, st- and obstruction and stuff like that, and not enough emphasis on what really matters. And that's, you know, effectively punishing guys that are repeat offenders and making sure that the guys that do make those boneheaded moves pay for it. Now, nothing hurts more than losing it, losing it out of your wallet, man. You know, 5000 bucks that's a drop in the bucket for guys like Tom Wilson. You know, let him sit out, you know, 20 games. See how much that hurts. Mm-hmm. He's losing a hell of a lot more at that point, not paid. See how he feels about that. Will he do it again? In Wilson's case, he's proved he does. Right? He may be a bad example. But in most cases, when guys do something stupid, you look at a guy like uh, Matt Cook, who used to play for the Penguins, right? One, two, three, the third time he figured out, you know what, i got to stop this because it's really hurting my team and it's hurting me. Mm-hmm. And he did. 
after he stepped on the back of Eric Carlson's foot, he realized like, you know, he almost ended Carlson's career. That was it. He never did anything that dumb again. Right. And it goes to the, you know, the character of the player and the type of person that he is, right. Where he realized that, but not everybody does that. And so it's up to the league to take care of those issues. So bottom line is if the league was, you know, they were a little bit more stringent and dropped the hammer on a lot harder. And you would think a guy like George Paros, who was a scrapper and understands the whole code, mm-hmm. you know, you'd think he'd be a little bit harder on guys like Tom Wilson because that's not the code. That's just dirty play. But no, I'll, let's find him 5000 bucks and get it over with. At least he's getting something. Why? Because it's a shortened season? No, that's not an excuse for me. To me, it's a question of, you know what? You want to protect your assets. You want to protect those players. If Artemi Panarin got hurt because of Tom Wilson, I'm telling you, there would have been a different issue right there, and everybody would have lost their minds. Yeah, there, no, there's, a level, there's a level of, I don't care about what happens to my assets that the league has to identify and fix before anything goes back to any type of normal. And as far as policing it is concerned, if the league's not going to take care of it, then you need the enforcers in the game to protect your players. Because otherwise, the Tom Wilsons of the world are going to take advantage of your top-line players. And the last thing anybody wants to see is a guy like Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner get railroaded by this dumbass, for lack of a better Oh, those word. guys are protected. And Nobody's going to touch those guys. <laughs> Oh, no, you'd be nobody Tom checks Wilson, McDavid. Dude. Come on, <laughs> it's Tom. That's because they can't catch him. But eventually, there will be a guy who's going to get in his way, stick out a knee, do something stupid, and then you know we're going to be saying, "Oh, wait a minute." You know, it's 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 just a matter of time, man. I'm telling you, just a matter of time. Uh, we'll see, man. Well, I don't know if the league's ever going to change. We might get the enforcer guys back on because I think it's going to show this to the rest of the league. Hey, you, you can't be left uh, hung out to dry because the league and the Players Association is not going to be there and or the safety department. No doubt it's changed the Rangers going forward, but uh, we'll see. Hey, look, man, great stuff as always, Costa. I love what the Habs are doing. Next week we'll uh, we'll figure out who they're probably playing in the first round. But uh, thanks again for your take on everything. Appreciate it. Have a great, safe weekend, brother. You too, man. All right, Costa Papa Leas, ladies and gentlemen, as always, from Montreal, giving his take on the Habs. Some great stuff there on the uh, North Division, and as always, uh, just all-around great hockey take. And it's stuff on the Rangers, too. Interesting stuff. And THS, falls out! All right, it's time to head on out to the West Coast, the left coast, the best coast. Well, it all depends on where you are. Either way, it's time to talk with our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo from the great state of California. Steve-O, welcome back to THS, brother. How are you? Uh, I'm wonderful, Paulie. Another day in paradise, my friend. You know, that's not fair when you say that. You know, you're in paradise every <laughs> every week here. You know, we're getting there. Getting a little warmer here. I have to here. say it every week. It's my shtick. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is. All right, buddy. Um... Look at this. We are uh, wrapping up this NHL season as far as uh, the New Jersey Devils are concerned and, and all the other teams, including my New York Rangers, who are going to be outside looking in and uh, definitely get your uh, take on on the, I don't know, a couple of things happened in New York here the last couple of days. <laughs> Maybe we'll get your take on it here. But as far as your... Not uh, your, much. No, not much. <laughs> um Devils looking good, man. What's the story? You guys turning around, man, but just maybe just a little too late. Yeah, definitely too late. I mean, they're playing loose. They're 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 uh, 
they're having fun and that's good. I, I think, uh, I think it's nice to see. I, I, I think they, they want to go into the off season and we mentioned this before. They want to go into the off season feeling good about themselves. And I think, uh, they're having some fun. They're getting contributions up and down the lineup and Kevin balls looked really good since he's coming to line up on the, on the back end. And that's something the devils have lacked in the, a long time is a big, uh, big guy in the back end that can kind of shut, shut down the other team's attack and get the puck moving the other way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been good. I mean, uh, that was quite, that was an exciting game tonight against Boston. Um, you know, they manhandled the flyer. So yeah, good, good things right now. I I'm, I'm enjoying the team and, you know, let's just hope we, uh, carries over to these next three games. And then we go into the off season feeling good about ourselves. I I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, what the future holds for a guy like Jack Hughes. He's really coming into his own. He's really dictating play out there. He's super confident. Every time the guy has a puck on his stick, he just does, does something with it. He's, he's getting more and more and more and more confident out there. And, uh, you know, and a guy having a guy like Sharon Govich on his wing and someday Holtz on the wing, uh, it's, it's really done wonders for, for the offense of this team. So yeah, good, good, good things ahead for this team. What do you got like 19 goals here in the last five games? I mean, you know, obviously, uh, the, the, the three straight losses there to Pittsburgh and then, you know, the uh, four, three uh, overtime loss to Philly. Then you, you, you swept them three in a row there, but six, six to four, five, three, four to one, you get shut yeah. out uh, by Boston there, but you come back with another four goals and a four, three win against Boston uh, the other night, man. So, I mean, offensively, that's just huge for you guys. Absolutely. I think a lot of times throughout the season that the team has been snake bit. There's been a lot of posts or a lot of missed nets. And, you know, that was something Lindy Ruff talked about. He's like, we can take as many shots as we want, but until we start hitting the net, they're never going to go in. I mean, it seems, you know, uh, it seems like that's pretty, pretty clear, but now they're starting to really feel it. and The pucks are starting to get in uh, the net and it's just kind of been a contagious throw up and down the lineup. Uh, it's great to see Pavel Zaka, um, having the season he's having. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, you never want to watch your team get shut out or, or not be able to score goals. And when they start putting three, four five, six goals in the net, um, it, it's, it's good for the fans too, you know, not just for the team, but to be able to watch a, a product and team and kind of see some progression there. So. Yeah, no, it's great stuff. And, and you know, defensively and primarily in the nets here, Blackwood is getting all the work. I mean, uh, which has got a, yeah. a, a spot in there, but no doubt that Lindy is uh, taking full advantage of this and, and getting Blackwood to see as much rubber as possible. Uh, yeah. So as an outsider, you got to look at this is that, you know, he's, he's being cultivated here to be number one guy, no doubt about it going forward. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And he, he's up to the challenge. I mean, that's what he wants to do. He, he wants to be, um, you know, the man and he, the guy, sometimes he makes some saves and you're just like, how did he get to that puck? And, you know, he struggled with his confidence uh, at other times during the season where he thinks have squeaked by him, but he always finds a way to, to rebound and kind of brush it off. And he's looking really solid. And uh, yeah, I think he really is poised to be the next really good uh, goaltender for New Jersey. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Um, three games left here in this season. And, you know, it's 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 been every 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 team obviously has its own story, and yeah. you know the Devils here too with um you know all, all of the changes they made and, and letting go of the uh, the veteran guys there at the at the trading deadline. We talked about this here too, and I just want to swing back to Lindy Ruff again. And, and next week, what we'll do is we'll pretty much pay me get get some grades for the full season and everything else and what we take into it. But up until now, 
Um, I guess, I mean, you know, obviously the, the Rangers taking all the headlines here this week, but even prior to that, um, it's, it's kind of been quiet, I guess in a good way for Jersey, you know, um, as far as, you know, Hey, over in Jersey, they know, they know what the plan is right now. At least they got some direction as far as, you know, not making the playoffs and working forward, but it's, it's, it's been like kind of like a good quiet. Do you understand where I'm coming from as where it's like, it's almost like, Hey, we're over here working. And things are going okay, yep. so just leave us alone. I mean, do you feel the same way? I do. And, and I think, you know, this turnaround, this little bit of a, a adjustment in the team, um, you know, after the trade deadline and the cloud of, you know, the Carl Palmieri situation, is he going to sign, is he not? You know, Travis Zajac. I, I think Zajac no longer really fit into the devil's plans. He was just the thousand goal, you know, game guy, someone who's been here a long time, and he, so they had to find a spot for him. And now that, you know, those guys are gone, Lindy can kind of do his own thing, move guys in and out of the lineup. And they kind of have a direction or a feel of where they want this team to go without having to force too many things. It's Now it's becoming more of a fluid situation. And, um, yeah, I think they, they have their 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 goals in mind and, and the direct direction they want to go. And I think that um, they're implementing it and it's starting to pay off and they're, you're seeing the results. And I – I think going into this offseason, Fitzgerald and, and Lindy Ruff will sit down and decide, you know, is the coaching staff going to stay the way it is right now? Is Nazardine going to continue along with the team? And, uh, you know, who's who's shown enough to be part of the future and who's an expendable piece? I, yeah, I'm excited. I, I think that the I, I still have tons of confidence in the leadership group of the Devils, and I think we're headed in the right direction. I, I you know, a lot of these young teams throughout the league, the Detroits, the Ottawa's, the New Jersey's, the other teams are going to have, you know, need to pay attention to these up and coming teams because in a few years, this whole NHL, the whole power dynamic of the NHL, I feel like could be shifted on its head, especially with a team like Ottawa that's up and, and the Rangers too. Those teams are going to be here sooner than later. Yeah, we got some uh, good stuff to look forward to, no doubt about it. All right, so what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll carry over to next week and we'll get you a, a little homework for you to do there, Steve-O, a little grading to sure. do and, and for the team and everything as we put a bow on the season with uh, the Devils having a couple of games here left to kind of you know show us a little more before they uh, head on on home for the offseason. Uh, let's look into the West here real quick. As far as, uh, you know, things haven't changed too much as far as the top three. And obviously, uh, me and you, our St. Louis Blues here, are um, looking mm-hmm. to lock down that fourth spot here. Um, they've got uh, five games to go. Arizona kind of hurt themselves last night by losing their six points behind. So I think we can confidently say now the Blues are going to lock in this last spot. And me and you have both talked about how um, they're going to cause some trouble here and, and obviously picking at the right time. But uh, any quick thoughts here on, on the way this, this West is rounding out? I mean, it's, it's pretty much kind of it's looking how it's going to be, and, and we just can't wait to watch them in the first couple of rounds. Uh, we could put a nail in the coffin of, of the only team that can catch the Blues is the Kings. They each have five games left. We could say, yes, the Blues have got that final four spot, but they could lose their next five games, and the, and the Kings can win their five games, and it could switch. So I don't want to – I mean, until they're, they've officially clinched, I'm not going to give it to them, but it, it sure does look like the Blues are going to be the team that take that fourth spot. And, man, they – you know – uh, they're going to be a tough out in the, in the first round here for, for it looks like it's going to be probably Vegas here. But um, I, I do think that uh, the way that kind of panned out and the way with the, those top four teams is basically what we thought it was going to be all along. And uh, the way that St. Louis has kind of, kind of put everything together to, to clinch that spot is, is probably 
makes this division um, probably one of the strongest out here in the West as far as any one of these teams, if they come out of it, uh, could could be the team that represents the Western Conference in the, in the Stanley Cup final. So I'm looking forward to these playoffs. I think they're going to be a wild ride. This Minnesota team uh, is really going to give these teams fits. Colorado uh, and, and Vegas both kind of struggle with them a little bit. So uh, it's going to be a fun, fun first couple rounds uh, in the Western playoffs. Yep, and we're going to be here for it, brother. I can't wait, man. It's going to be a lot of exciting stuff to kind of t- kind of look at. So, with that said, and and like I said, we'll we'll know exactly where the seating's going to be here in the next week or two. I think we all have to wait until, I guess I don't know. Is Vancouver? I guess it doesn't matter once Vancouver finishes up here. I think on the seventeenth or whatever. But uh, so we still got a right. couple more weeks. I mean, we probably may know the positioning here. Uh, maybe not next week, but definitely the following week after as far as who's going to play who. But uh, it'll be interesting. Hey, yep. look, but um, so, look, you were at the uh, the Ducks game the other night when um, Ryan Miller retired, and obviously the great handshake line here by the um, by the Kings. And then, uh, you know, Bacchus, again, is, is talking about retirement too, and uh, they also did a nice nod for him as well uh, in terms of the shake up, uh, the shake, uh, the handshake line. Man. <laughs> It's been, Louis, one, yes. it's been one of those days, man. I'm still <laughs> rattled from what happened in, in, in New York City here the last couple of days. But um, so talk about uh, the game, being there for Miller, and obviously the the talk here now back is looking like he might retire as well too. Again, it's just another like a chapter in the NHL closing. So a couple of great players been around a long time. Um, obviously, well respected around the league. Um, you know. The the Miller night was really special. The, the players came out and for warmups, they were all wearing Miller jerseys. You could tell right from the, you know, right when he got on the ice, it was going to be an emotional night for him. His family was up against the glass cheering him on. And uh, he just, he got a nice warm ovation from the crowd. It was just really, really cool thing to experience. And at the end um, for the Kings, you know, it was kind of cool to watch Kopitar kind of rally. The Kings just kind of fell in line and they, 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 they came and they shook his hand and it was a genuine, like, you know, congratulations. They had just fought, you know, played two games in a row and they were pretty uh, physical games. And those teams, two, two teams do not like each other. And to see that was really like one of the things that really makes me love this sport so much. And again, you saw the same thing with Backus. Backus obviously played for St. Louis and he's got uh, ties to that team and a lot of friends. And they, again, the same thing, another, uh, really warm situation. Um, and uh, Perron, the last guy in the handshake line, they had a nice embrace. It's just really cool, but it also signifies to me uh, changing of the guard for the Ducks. Those are a couple of their older players, and you're going to see another youth movement there. And I think we're going to be transitioning into a really uh, exciting era for the Ducks. Um, <laughs> you know, two great guys leaving, but then the team's going to switch around and go to these younger players. And I don't know, it's, it was just two really cool things to to experience and I was really happy to be able to 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 be there for the Ryan Miller thing in person. It was it was really really cool. Nah, that's great stuff, man, and uh it, it's great to to see that you were there and obviously a special night, a good guy and uh you know, um just all good stuff uh, all around. So, um so with that said, and I know we're both running uh, and gunning here this afternoon. Um let's get your take here. Obviously, you're very familiar with the New York hockey scene here with regards to the Devils and obviously the Islanders and my New York Rangers. Um just Take, give me your quick thoughts on what happened on Monday night, uh, the Rangers' uh, statement there on Tuesday, and then your take here on, on you know, Gordon and J.D. getting fired and, and, and your opinion here one way or the other with the regards to the league uh, and the player safety, uh, you know, uh, commission there too as far as powers. Just love to get your take on this. I mean, I, the whole thing has just been a, a circus. I mean, um, from the, the first – 
first night with with the whole thing with Tom Wilson and ragdolling Panarin and you know people want to say you know you say what you want I'm sure any team would take Tom Wilson on them but to toss a player like that like uh Artemi Panarin around like that then the whole thing with Buchanan it just looked ugly it was just an ugly looking scene and now Panarin to miss the rest of the season he went through all the stuff he went through um and then you know I actually liked the statement that the Rangers put out because nobody was sticking up for anybody on the, on the ice and for the management to come out and, and support their player like that. I thought it was cool. I know a lot of people might, might disagree with me, but I enjoyed that. And then the whole thing with the, the getting rid of JD and, uh, and Gordon now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't one of the reasons why Panarin decided to sign with the Rangers is because JD was coming to the Rangers. Well, I'm Cause sure he was with he, him yeah, in, he definitely had a big hand in that. Yeah, no, he uh, he definitely had a big hand in yeah. that. There's no doubt about it. You know, with the, I don't know. It, go it's ahead, like buddy. For the Rangers, two steps forward, three steps back. I I, I think that, that that that's a huge mistake. Um, as far as what took place last night, wow, <laughs> wow, <laughs> what a what a mess in the first period. Uh, you know, the, you had the fights, but they weren't really fights. It was just basically the bigger caps throwing around the Rangers team who were trying to flex some muscle. I give them kudos for coming out and standing up for each other. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of an, the whole thing just is really ugly. And I, I think the league handled it, you know, the league didn't handle it. Basically they left what happened last night as a result of how the league, the league handled things. I think with Wilson's track record, they should have at least given him a game. So he didn't have to come out and play the next game against the Rangers. He would have avoided all that nonsense. And uh, oh, it was wow, craziness. I mean, what was the seventies again? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need to get back to the seventies, and maybe that Tom Wilson <laughs> stuff doesn't happen on Monday night. I think that's that's True. part of the issue yep. uh, with the the way the league is. You know, this has been my point of the whole thing. You know, and you know me being a diehard Ranger fan. I you know I was I was really kind of unfazed about what happened Monday night. Uh, it didn't surprise me about the slap on the wrist. You know, the biggest thing that I'm freaked out about or just been shocked like everybody else was J.D. and Gordon getting fired here and, and, and you know, the, the timing and and everything else. And I think there's still more to this story that has to come out. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, as far yeah. as, yeah, I mean, so that's it. I mean, again, it, it, that's and that's the biggest thing. Uh, you know, me and you and, and, and all the guys here on THS and Joe and Tab and, and Costa, we've been watching the game for a long time. So th- this is nothing new. As far as guys getting hurt and 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 the league yep. either mishandling or not handling it, I think now going forward, you wonder if this changes things. Now, do, do does every team now have to bring an enforcer type guy to be on the team, even with the face shields and the misconducts for the fighting and all that other stuff? Um, it changes things, and I think maybe that's why the Rangers changed things. That maybe they felt that JD and Gordon weren't putting the team in the right situation because the last guy you wanted jumping on um, Wilson was Panarin, and they didn't have anybody. And last night was a show. And you wonder if they, they joke, Steve, that maybe they intentionally gave him $5,000 on Tuesday because they knew the game was going to be on NBC on Wednesday night and you knew this was going to happen. <laughs> you know, it doesn't surprise me if they if they went ahead and did that, kind of get the, some exposure for the league. But, you know, I, I think t- team toughness is a big part of hockey. You know, whether the, the fighting and they're trying to cut down on that, the team still has to be tough, still has to be physical. It's still brought up all the time you talk about you know when tampa bay got swept a couple of years ago they weren't tough enough they weren't a team that could you know uh, push other teams around and that's why they got bounced so what they do they pick up some gritty guys um for the next season they end up winning the cup you still have to be 
a tough team that is able to stand up for itself and, and not get pushed around. Uh, whether, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to throw your fists around, but you, you, you have to be able to go out there and throw the body around, play physical, and just, you know, not let yourself get pushed around. And, and maybe the Rangers were, were a little soft in that end and it, it came back to bite them. And I think that your teams do look for that kind of stuff and when they, um, when they're building a team. And that's kind of why I questioned why they got rid of a guy like Lemieux, uh, Brendan Lemieux. Um, when I saw him play for the Kings, I thought, you know, he was physical. He was an agitator. He got under the Ducks skin. The Ducks drew some, you know, had some penalties called on him. There was like some, a lot of jawing back and forth. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Rangers could really use a guy like that right now. Yeah, well, I think maybe they got fooled. Maybe they got duped, you know, because they figured they, they didn't need those kind of players on the teams anymore. Um, yep. So they, they, they let them go because they figured, you know, you, you, that's what you think. And maybe that's what we're going to find out here down the road, Steve, is you, you figure at least if, if something like that happens that the league's going to have you back. Yep. And that didn't happen. And, and, right. and, and maybe this, is, this turns around to, you know, what happens with J.D. and Gorton here and, and Dolan making the changes. And, you know, we don't know what to expect now with Drury and, and, and now Sather's back in looking over his shoulder. So and what's Messier? Is Messier going to be part of this? He's make he's take, getting interviews, wants to be part of the team. I know, man. He hasn't heard from Mark from years, you know, and all of a sudden now he's I, – I don't know, man. I, I'd be shocked. I, I would hope if he, if he does bring in Mess, it's on some kind of administrative thing. But I, I can't see him. He can't come behind the bench. There's no right. way, but you know, it's, it's cuckoo for coconuts here, Steve. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised, you know. But look, man, I, I, I'll let you know what happens. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do, man. Uh, brother, thanks for the quick hit here this week. I really appreciate it. We always love talking to you, hearing from you, and uh, obviously going forward, man. It's uh, you know what the deal is. We can't wait for these uh, Western Division and all the all the playoffs to get going here, and and obviously we'll. Uh, We'll wrap up the devil season next week with you as well, too, buddy. So thanks so much, and just uh, stay safe and healthy. Best of the family, and have a great weekend, buddy. You too, brother. Talk to you soon. All right. Steve Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen, out there on the left coast, giving us the business about the devils, this West Division, and obviously a great take there on the Rangers situation as well. And uh, that wraps up another THS here. Week 16, hard to believe. Only a couple of games left here in the regular season, unless you're a Vancouver Calgary fan. But, hey, we'll all wait for those guys. A couple more weeks here to go as we wrap up this regular season. Thanks again, as always, to all you guys for listening and subscribing. And thanks to my line mates, Mr. Tad Bamford, Mr. Joe Yurden, Mr. Costa Papoulias, and, of course, Steve Palumbo. And with that said, yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert. THS is out. Keep your head up. Enjoy the games. Don't cause any trouble out there. Till next week. Take care.